survivors and welcome to First Aid Spray, a Resident Evil podcast by fans for fans. This is episode 54 and in this edition we will be podcasting from two different timelines in our first of two podcasts reviewing the brand new Resident Evil Netflix series. My name is Cyan, joining me on the panel this week are one in a horde of zeros, it's Firebutton Steve Valance. Hello everybody. Little does he know that I've been taking and storing his blood in my mini-fridge, for reasons. It's Moist Owlet, aka James. Edgar. <laughs> Killer Dog Bite, it's Kelsey, aka Mr. KDB. Hello. Every episode of First Aid Spray is recorded live on our Discord server, so join now to hear the show early and unedited, and to become part of our fantastic little community where we discuss life, the universe, and Resident Evil. You can find a link to the server, as well as all of our social media profiles, at our website, fasprayPod.com. It's the support of our listeners that keeps First Aid Spray going, so why not check out our merchandise or our Patreon page, tiers begin at just $1 a month. Head over to patreon.com forward slash fasprayPod for a full list and the chance to create bonus first aid spray content housekeeping let's do it so thank you to some new patrons thank you to residents of the dead and thank you to richard thomas Uh, thank you to all of our patrons who continue to support us over there in various different ways and we continue to put out uh, early and exclusive content for you guys i hope you are enjoying your current early looks at uh, Tear Death Experience brand new episode came out, which is Save Room Themes, which is a very different and very challenging thing to rank, but uh, I feel like that went quite well, so you can check that out early now. And also a new episode of Memory Card Lane, where the guys looked at, uh, fair to say, very much overlooked adventure game for the NES called Faxanadu. In the meantime, public releases. The new Memory Card Lane episode of Pilot Wings is out. If you haven't seen that now, uh, head over to YouTube to check that out for the Super Nintendo version of Pilot Wings. We also put together five... Well, Kelsey particularly put together five things we want to see in Resident Evil Netflix. Um, so it might be interesting to go back and watch that now and see how... Not wrong, because it was wishes, <laughs> but how far of the mark it was. Uh, and lastly, the latest episode of Now That's What I Call Survival Horror is out, which is Steve picking his top 10 tracks from Parasite Eve. The first time we've journeyed outside of Resident Evil for the show. I very much had a good time, even as someone who's never played Parasite Eve, so I would recommend it to everyone, in fact. That's all of our news. Uh, we are actually just going to skip over any Biohazard news and get into the main podcast on this episode, because there hasn't been a lot that isn't related to the brand new show. Uh, nothing really sizable. So uh, let's jump right into the main subject of this episode, which is part one of Resident Evil Netflix. Oh boy, it's that time. It feels like it. How weird does it feel that it's been about seven months since the last live action? adaptation of Resident Evil and here we are yet again talking about another live action adaptation of Resident Evil going from the Roberts verse if you will to the dab verse sometimes the reddick verse whatever you want to call it <laughs> R-E-N um, that's not a thing James it's not a thing um, N-R-E <laughs> oh sorry N-R-E see that's how much of a not thing it hashtag is. team N-R-E they're trying to cancel me <laughs> <laughs> I will not be silenced. <laughs> right, so moving on from that swiftly. Um, 
<laughs> team Ren and Team Stimpy. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're, uh, this episode is going to focus on the first half of the show. We decided before we uh, sat down to record that the best course of action is not to try and talk about eight sort of roughly hour-long episodes in one go. If you've been with First Dates long enough, you'll know how long it takes us to talk about, you know, just an hour and a half worth of movie. Uh, I think our Welcome to Raccoon City episode is bumping up on three hours and we definitely could have gone longer. So it logically made sense to cut this in half. So in this episode, um, we are going to be spoiler light-ish. I would recommend you watch all of the show anyway, regardless of listening to this, because I can't guarantee things won't slip through. Uh, But we are mostly going to be focusing on the first four episodes and a general overview. So speaking of the general overview... Uh, James, in fact, let's start with you. My first question is, uh, going into the show for the first time, before it even dropped, what, how were you feeling about what we knew about it, what we'd seen about it, what were your expectations on uh, on Resident Evil Netflix? Uh, my expectations were pretty middling. Um, every time, But every time I'd see a poster of the show, it would get me hype, because those posters were amazing. Um, the hype for this show was pretty great, and the cast were always very, very excited about it um which i think is like a since the remakes has been the 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 game remakes has been a constant like the cast Mm. and crew have been very positive about what they're working with and it's always great to see that because even in any kind of media when you see devs or you see publishers or you see crew or whoever else get excited about the work that they're 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 working on it gets us excited about it so but i was still middling because i was afraid I was afraid that this show was going to be bad, really, really bad, and so when, like, so beforehand, I was, I was, I was trying to keep my expecta- expectation down, and I think that helped me in my overall uh, experience um, of of the show itself. Mm, that's that's fair, uh, relatable. I think you know, many of us, myself included, when we heard kind of what the synopsis was going to be. There was a lot of like, Psh, yeah, okay. Uh, it sounds like some made up. That's not real. That can't possibly be real. <laughs> and then it turns out it was real. So there was a lot of like, ooh, I don't know how you feel about that, which was... Uh, yeah, the uh, the internet was... I, f- I feel like the internet was kind of unfair. I'm going to be saying that a lot today. Um, but they were unfair with it prior because there wasn't really much information other than that baseline script, which did sound anemic and weird. Right, um, yeah. But... Yeah, I I was like, uh, I'm not gonna say it's not good, and I'm not just gonna say mm-hmm. it's 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 great because I've not seen it. I'm always I always give something a chance, no matter what it is. Yes. Um. Yeah. And yeah, so it was you know there was a lot of big accounts. There was a lot of people who were like saying a lot of negative stuff about the show before it even came out, which mm. led me to be. Uh, the kind of on the positive side of bias because I was like, no, I'm not gonna let it. I'm not gonna let it be cancelled. In my <laughs> mind, I'm not gonna let it like go down. I'm gonna give this show a chance. Yeah, and that's you know always been our standpoint, really, isn't it? You know, to, to at least give it a fair shot, uh, try and put aside that or the, all the feelings of well, that sounds really weird, but you never know. I mean, we definitely talked about how. We had a lot of stuff come out in quick succession. Infinite Darkness, which generally, I mean, it's fair to say, Steve, Kelsey and I, we covered that one and didn't find a lot to like about it. And Welcome to Raccoon City was, at the very least, divisive. 
so there was definitely talk amongst some of us that, you know what, this might actually surprise us. Steve, what were your expectations going into this? At low. Uh, I, I genuinely, like, hearing the initial synopsis of the Wesker twins, a part of me just went, oh, we're, we're, we're scraping that barrel. But I, I'm always open to giving things a fair shot. I mean, we, we did Umbrella Core on the podcast, guys. If we can go <laughs> that far, we can, we can get through a Netflix show with really odd tone. Mm. I appreciate the marketing, like, before we got in. Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, the, the aesthetic they seemed to be going for was very akin. It reminded me of, like, stuff like Utopia and uh, other, like, Channel 4 drama stuff. Trailers, not so much, but the aesthetic they're going for, the yellow and red. and uh, Yeah, so that was fine. I was like, you know, oh, it's just another spoke in the many, many multiverses of the Resident Evil pantheon. So mm. I'll just give it a go. Whether I like it or not, we'll find out. But I wasn't particularly chomping at the bit for it. I genuinely don't think I am for any of these, like, TV shows that I wasn't particularly jumping up and down for Infinite Darkness or Welcome to Raccoon City either. Mm. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you guys about the posters and the sort of visual design of that. I really like the new logo as well. Um, the trailers for me were interesting uh, in the sense that I was surprised that I was actually a little bit excited about seeing some of the monsters that they were showing us. That was at least something that caught my attention. Kelsey, mm. how are you feeling on the lead up to this? Yeah, pretty much the same, to be honest. I think like a lot of people the initial premise just it didn't really blow me away the history of the showrunner as well and the stuff that he'd done before is not stuff that I was really into but like James said like I'll never be down on new RE stuff until I see it for mm. the most part and I think the biggest thing before you know in terms of expectations was the announcement of Lance Reddick and that was just like uh, that was a huge get as far as I was concerned and Although the premise didn't sound like, you know, my own personally preferred route for an RE show, I was happy, perfectly happy to be shown something original. And by the time the show had rolled around and after seeing the trailers and posters and stuff, like you guys have mentioned, my expectations were definitely higher uh, because the production value did look good. Um, and yeah, and obviously I made that video with the wishes for the show, which I, I know they were silly because they were just silly wishes. It was just a bit of fun. But... One that was kind of less, that was more serious in that video was I was keen to see, you know, how the script is going to work uh, when it comes to the dialogue and the extended talking scenes. Because the point I'd made in that video that was that this was the first live action TV show for RE. And so that has always hooked my intrigue and me thinking, what are they going to do here? They, they ha This has to be semi-decent. It can't be eight hours of you know because there's a lot there so I did have a certain expectation for you know emotion and conversations between characters because I knew it couldn't all be roaring monsters so mm. yeah when when I started to watch it my expectations were sort of warmly in the middle and I, I did think it had potential going into it all right so let's talk sort of broadly about a few things the way the show looks the way the show feels and tone uh, that kind of thing Steve, you actually already touched on this briefly. You said uh, the show has an odd tone. Mm, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it struggles, I think, mainly because it's obviously jumping between two timelines. And the fact that one almost has a, you know, the teen drama with slight comedy, especially when Lance is doing his thing. Like, Lance has an air. I think it's because he does do comedy and serious stuff, like, in, in tandem. And so anything that he's in, he can be kind of hilarious, and you know, not in a bad way. Mm. Uh, particularly, like, for example, in the uh, principal scene, which I believe is in episode one, so I think we're all good. Uh, 
Yeah. And, you know, stuff like that. And then the future, it's just grim, miserable, dark. Everyone's like, I, I, I'm an extra from a Fallout TV series that doesn't exist yet. <laughs> you know, it's... <laughs> And then there's some really kitschy stuff with uh, Future Jade talking to the family. And genuinely, it's like uh, 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 the future stuff always draws me out. But that might be because I always have an abhorrent like dislike of Resident Evil going post-apocalyptic. Mm. <sighs> yeah, and, and that whole tonal shift from twee teen drama to the grim darkness of the future and there is only zeros. It's, uh, it's not appealing to me. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. It's a, it's a weird one because I'm just going to go straight out of the bat with this, and I'm sure there are plenty of people who uh, have pointed this out before I have. This is not meant to be a criticism. This is meant to be just a statement, and it might sound like a criticism, but this is like the Anderson verse if it was slowed right down. Sort of the action set pieces were piecemealed out a bit, and without Miller sort of stinking up the place. This is closer in tone to those movies than anything else. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Not necessarily a bad thing. So I didn't get... And I don't think it was going for the tones of the video games. There are definitely touches in the things that it does. Uh, but it it felt closer to the Anderson stuff, which is why in no way at any point it felt like a horror show to me personally. Again, not a complaint, just an observation. Um, it was kind of... I wouldn't even call it a creepy sort of vibe it didn't really have anything of that element to it it was just like a slowed down uh, drama with action partners to it so in that sense it's very different to anything we've had before um kelsey how did you feel about the tone of the show mm. i've put at the top of my notes it's a tale of two raccoon cities um <laughs> because you know you mentioned horror there i th- i think you can call some of it a horror and i say that because it, it does aim for horror in plenty of ways and, but it attempts to kind of take that horror very seriously and then that horror is hindered by how it's just so comp- like compartmentalised across the seven hours. So you have a full-blown horror scene with mm. not enough tension building before it. The monster scenes kind of get dumped on you and then you're you're back with the angsty teens and the family drama. And this jumping around is not really something that kind of worked for me. There are moments of okay tension and atmosphere um, but tonally, yeah, it's all over the place. And for the reasons that have been mentioned, it's those two timelines. They are universes apart in tone, which is, for me, is the reason the show kind of struggled to retain my my interest. Because the past timeline is steadily paced, conspiracy and mystery. And, you know, with little dashes of horror. And some large parts of that did generally work for me. But it, although it was lacking in some Resident Evil stuff... Mm. Um, and then the future timeline, like you say, is is just action-led Andersonverse gore fest with the iconic monsters. And neither route is objectively bad, but the show is just asking the viewer to watch two TV shows in the same episode, mm. which doesn't really allow me to get comfortable and latch on to anything that's happening, you know, beyond like a surface level. So instead of instead of going going along for the ride with ups and downs, you're basically dragged backwards and forwards over and again, over mm. and over again. Which for me just ruined like the settling of the tone and any decent tension building. And I think it possibly would have been better served for me with all the future stuff contained to one or two episodes or, or a separate season even, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, rather than the jumping back and forth. And yeah, it's it's exactly like you said, it's, it's not that the roots are bad in of themselves, but mashing them together here 
is one of the show's biggest issues for me. Um, I, yeah. So, yeah. I would agree with that, actually, and not to speak too much about the actual content of the episodes, because we'll be doing that next time. But when the two sort of timelines were most separated, so there is a section later on, I believe it's episode five and episode six, where each episode is devoted to one part of the timeline, and then the next episode is the other yep. part. That's when both excelled more, uh, in my opinion. Yes. Um, so maybe that's the way. And again, you know, you learn by doing. I like the concept of the flipping between timelines, but you're right, it did feel a bit like being dragged back and forth a bit. So maybe if they'd have elongated each bit out, it would have uh, landed a little bit more. In terms of the horror aspect, uh, I suppose, thinking about it, the thing, the episode one actually had a couple of bits that made me uncomfortable that they never went back to. Like New Raccoon City, owned by Umbrella, where everything is like pure white, very clinical, almost hysterically so. It's like, I guess that's a little bit weird and uncomfortable. Some everything was really much. white in the sense that all the houses are white. And also specifically, very strangely, they called out, hey, we're in South Africa and we're the only like people of colour. And then they never went back to that. <laughs> like, why do they mention that? Like, it's, you, you think, oh, that's quite interesting. And then it, that doesn't go anywhere. So that's a bit weird. Uh, but there you go. Uh, James, how did you feel about the, the tone and the split timeline element? So uh, I, I appreciate, like, you guys saying that, like, from your, like, point of view, because I feel like this show is is meant to... It's meant to be for not only us. It's also sure. meant to be for the the you know the current generation, and a lot of TV is like this. Like, and I I watch a lot of it, so I can keep up. Um, and it doesn't really break me in any way. And when we're talking about tonally shifting, I mean Resident Evil does that. The game does it all the time. Like, I mean, they're talking about a game where we have to re replay it all the time to get to, you know. You know, we're going through different timelines. So that mixed with the current, like, meta, I guess, with TV series and stuff, mm. it didn't really, like, yeah, I didn't really have a problem with it. Um, yeah. Uh, in like, I, I, there were there were things done, which we'll go into the discussions later, there were things done that I didn't like in terms of the, just the direct, that from scene to scene that I didn't like. In terms of the the swapping of the of the timelines it didn't really bother me that much i was actually invested in both as much um because of things that i won't talk about right now but yeah is it horror uh there episode there, i don't know we need to talk about it later because episode three is really scary to me um okay. Like, it's, it's one of the most... If we're talking horror Resident Evil, it's one of the most Resident Evil, like, scenes we've seen, like, in live action. Like, or even CG. Like, it's it's a tunnel full of liquors, and it's uh, one tunnel full of a giant spider. <laughs> like, it's right. it's really terrifying. And there's really heart-wrenching moments there as well. Um, you know, the acting could have done better, but we'll talk about that later. But, like, it... You know, that episode just that whole episode was like pretty scary uh especially also with just umbrella turning up and like being terrifying um mm. but i mean that that's only from my point of view though uh yeah so but th there was a lot of action too it, you know again middling with the action it was okay at some points and then it wasn't in others and th but there were some really standouts 
uh, in it as well, which we'll talk about when we get to episode four uh, later on. Um, what can we compare it to? Because uh, I didn't, when I was watching it, I didn't get the, I, I get where you're coming from with the Anderson verse stuff, but I didn't really connect it with the Anderson, Anderson verse much. Um, I, I, this is going to sound weird, and it's purely because of the plot skipping. Like, but I got Witcher feels, Netflix Witcher feels. They took some things from The Witcher, like in terms of the time skipping, like, and they they ran, they didn't do it as well as The Witcher did, right? But they took that and they they went with that. If folks have watched The Witcher here, you know what I'm talking about. Um, yeah, uh, I think that's all I can really say in terms of like the look and tone. I I I like the overall look and tone. Um, mm. And the feel of the show. There again, there will be little bits that I don't like, but the overall uh, look and tone, feel of the show, I liked. Yeah, I think there's definitely positives in the way that it's looked. It has its own, especially the present day stuff. I thought looked pretty nice. It had a, its own clear identity. Like they, I feel like they went out with the scenes and locations, like. Mm. There were so many. I was expecting. I'm not. I'm not kidding. I was expecting the show. Like when we're going into the future, I was like, okay, we're just going to skip from this one place to a base, and that is going to all be from there. Um, mm. And you know, the like the past timeline, 2022 or present timeline, I guess, was going to be set just in you know Nurikun City, which it kind of was, right? But yeah, I I wasn't expecting them to jump all over the place in the future yeah. timeline so much. The locations they used were amazing. Mm. Um, so staying sort of similarly about we talked about tone but the way that the, we kind of touched on the way that the show looks there talk about the way that it's directed and that kind of thing I don't know if anyone has any thoughts on that sort of stuff um, feels like do, two different shows literally yeah? feel and like, I don't mean that in a dismissive way it feels like they've took two different scripts and they've put Resident Evil concepts to them to meld them in some kind of viral amalgamation <laughs> uh, like realistically you can take the, the 2022 stuff separate it entirely call it like you know joy and then it's its own thing you take the entire future stuff and let's just say for sake of argument call it zeros and it's its own thing and mm. the fact that they've used Resident Evil and characters as a through line to meld them together despite the fact they do feel like two dis- disparate entities just with like you know proper nouns in certain places is uh, surprising yeah but, but, I, I, I don't know if I'd say they've pulled it off but the fact that that is a massive tonal shift of two different scripts is, uh, yeah, it's something. Because they do feel different. Like, the past feels a lot more slower and intrigue-laced, whereas the future feels a lot more bleak and, uh, dare I say, like, riffing on every cliche of the post-apocalypse with, like, you know, Mad Max is a big example, especially with the early stuff in the UK. Mm. Uh, that feels very different from, like, Lance Reddick quietly trying to figure out what the hell's gone on in Tijuana. And then his kids are running in the house screaming because there's been a fight at school. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I, I didn't mean to just get on the pulpit for a second. No, no, you're absolutely welcome to do that. I, It's somewhere buried in my notes, but I mean, to be fair, yes. Uh, I complimented the way that the first, the present day stuff looks. Uh, it's probably only worth saying that the way that the future stuff, at certain points of it really could have been uh, I don't know, pick any zombie show you haven't seen and just assume it's that. Uh, if you've never watched The Walking Dead, congratulations. This could be The Walking Dead for all you know. <laughs> it could be iZombie. I don't know. I've never seen it. 
so, like, uh, that's the thing, though. It's like you watch it and it's like, and I don't want to be that person who goes, doesn't really feel like Resident Evil. Well, cool, it's doing its new contribution to Resident Evil. It's kind of the way you look at But it's after how. Continuity, so yeah, it exactly. <laughs> yeah. But I did look at him and be like, if I hadn't seen The Walking Dead, it could be that. And I haven't seen I Zombie, so as far as I know, it looks like this. Like, so here's that. My my other negative, and I don't want to keep harping on, but I do have a couple of them. But uh, yeah, it's in terms of direction, whilst there was some really good stuff, and I've got some specific examples when we get there, certainly. Uh, over the course of the season, man, they really, really needed to fire and get a new continuity person because it was a big problem. Like, so many scenes, I got distracted by how non-fluid everything was. Characters changing positions, expressions changing, hand placements moving all over the place. I don't know, it was just something that I just couldn't stop picking up on, but it was it was very much an issue for me. Uh, Kelsey, how did you feel about the sort of direction and the that kind of stuff? Yeah, I agree. And before I sort of say a few things, just to jump back to what James said, like the show isn't without horror. And I agree. I think I I mentioned that it does aim for horror and there are definitely bits that are creepy. But like I said, I just think it's all hindered by the structure of the show and the way it jumps backwards and forwards and the two different shows, like Steve said. Um, But the direction, I mean, first of all, just how just how the show looks. Uh, Yes, the the modern uh, the present day. Sorry, no, no, I'm getting confused. The past because the, the show is confusing so the new raccoon city stuff that's the present, that's present day right it's 2022 that's the pres- so. it's, it's our present day but it's not the show's present day yeah it's, no, what? yeah because <laughs> well, okay. yeah, the, the show is there's jay in the future yeah and so any, anyway that, that that's <laughs> Why like, is this confusing? Um, the, i don't understand the new, <laughs> the new raccoon city stuff yeah it looks nice and there's there's it's got a uniqueness about it um to a certain degree and then the future stuff is just completely generic and it's you know the production value which i touched on it is high across the board but because it's so generic that it just does it just doesn't sit with me and it doesn't it doesn't i'm not sitting there going wow i've never seen that before i've never seen that before it's just the same stuff i've seen over and over again um which is disappointing because they clearly had a decent budget um and -hmm. i think it's just gone to waste and the continuity thing you're completely right there's lots of times when that happens i mean i've touched on it a bit later in my notes but uh, this kind of falls into this like the zombies there's plenty of times when the extras are just kind of ambling around in the background and off to the side of shot to the point where yeah somebody sort of should have seen that the take was unusable and it's it just kept pulling me out of it and Mm. then you look at we're going to get to cgi in a minute so not going to jump ahead but yeah then some of the other stuff looks really good so direction wise there's so much going on that I don't think the director has managed to kind of keep it all in a line. Um, again, either timeline in itself is not objectively bad. It's just the way it all kind of weaves together doesn't work well enough for me. Um, it, it looks like The Walking Dead very much. And I think uh, someone in chat, it might have been Choji, mentioned one of the CW shows. It it looks better than a CW show, easily. And I, I read one of the reviews after, and somebody said it had Hollyoaks production values, which is just utter <laughs> bull****. It For doesn't, someone it who's, has... like, old, what is a CW show? So that's like The Flash and the Arrow Diaries. and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so those, those network TV superhero shows. Uh, this show looks way better than that. Um, but cinematically, there's kind of, there's nothing interesting there. And 
just to name drop Welcome to Raccoon City, that was infinitely more interesting cinematically in the way it was directed. Mm. All right, the script was bad, but we're not going to go over that again. Um, this show, yeah, it's 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 a real mixed bag in that sense with the direction and how it looks and the tone we've talked about. So I do have some other good things to say later, but yeah, it's just nothing there to really hang on to that sort of had me, you know, jaw wide open and stuff like that or going oh look at that shot and look at that camera move if you want to get down to the nitty gritty of it it was just so standard and so average in that sense so mm. yeah would have liked a bit more but it clearly wasn't a cheap show <laughs> there's a lot of money on the screen uh, it just doesn't fit together very well for me James what's your take on uh, the direction and the general look of the show well first of all I want to say we got to see an umbrella lab before it became a mess like, yeah. I'm when yeah. I, I truly mean this, like, you know, we, we keep talking about, you know, the, the stages and everything, like, you know, they're not being up to scuff or whatever, right? But we got to see an Umbrella Lab before it went to crap. Like, and we never see that. And I got, when I, when I first saw New, New Raccoon City, like, I thought, wow, we're, we're seeing, because we know it's coming. You know, the future has told us that. Like, we know it's coming, which I, I kind of liked. You know, this is going to turn to crap. This is really cool. Because in the games, we only ever see <laughs> the right. lab being a mess, <laughs> you know, and a, being rampant with monsters. But, oh, yeah. if it, no. you know, if it goes into the future, if it goes into a season two and beyond, right, we're going to see it devolve into, like, you know, a complete, you know, the chaos that we see in the games. Hopefully. I mean, I, you know, I hope it does. You know, um, being fair, James, yeah, you're, you're on the money because it, it looks like you could take that and slam that in the RE engine somewhere and stuff it, say, RE2 make or 3 make, and it probably would pass for a Nest 2 or Nest 3. Yeah. Just like yeah. the Anderson, everything's got an umbrella logo everywhere thing going about it. But that's not bad. I actually, I totally think those labs are really like, we don't, st- oddly enough, despite the fact we spent quite a lot of time there, I don't feel like we spend enough time there. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to see thing. them Yeah, doing stuff in there, I think, is probably the thing that felt missing. It would be nice to see them actually doing some experimentation and that kind of stuff, I agree. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, I agree, though. The, the lab was cool, and even like the this totally obnoxious layout of the city being a big like octagon like you know it was it was yeah it was it was so clearly corporate you know that's yeah. the that's the thing that just blew like was blown in my face like this is corporate and i hate it and i'm <laughs> meant to hate it because it's umbrella you know and you know i'll talk about it a bit, again a bit later and maybe in part two when we do when we do a part two of this right but I have some feelings in terms of what the show is trying to convey. And I think it's been missed. And I think, you know, that's based to writing and it could be based to direction. Right. Um, but I think a few of a few other people have caught it, too. And it's just the fact, you know, that this it's meant to be oppression. It's meant to be oppressive. Like hmm. the whole of like, New Raccoon City is oppressive. You know, when Jade goes there, first word you hear from her mouth is basically, "Ugh, I hate this. You know, and that's literally what was I was thinking. I hate this. This is awful. I what's going to happen here? You know. Um, but in terms of like continuity, yeah, you're right. Like there were some, there were some odd zombies. Um, there were some strange direction choices in terms of some scenes that I didn't like because they kind of they they drew away from the the quality that is in the show because um, it's mm. like it is like mining for some diamonds in this show sometimes uh, with certain episodes. 
Um, but yeah, I, I don't want to add any more because you guys have said enough. But yeah, I, I agree with the like continuity and and stuff in terms of like the direction it from scene to scene. I thought it was, I thought it looked good. Like I thought every scene looked well in shot. Uh, when we saw big wide shots of locations, they looked really great. Um, especially like the very first scene you see, well, I think it's like, I think it's like 10 or something plus minutes into it. But when you see like the whole landscape of London, like I thought that was dope, but we've seen that in the trailer. Um, but we see a lot of stuff like that. I thought, you know, it wasn't bad. I liked it. Hmm. Uh, okay, cool. Let's shift on to related, uh, which is the visual effects, the CGI. Obviously that's going to be a big aspect in the sense that uh, it's Resident Evil. It's got to be monsters in there. Uh, yeah. So we've got to talk about it. Um, and in general, I think there's quite a lot to talk about in terms of isn't it really nice that we got more than just zombies and a liquor, which is usually about as far as you get. You know? <laughs> Hashtag praise the grub digger. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Kicks. And what a thing to kick the show off as well is to go right out there and just chuck a giant evil somehow roaring I don't quite understand how but sure uh, evil caterpillar and you see various a caterpillar things. fed on human flesh this is not an airsoft gun you're going to get in, in uh, Tokyo Maru <laughs> but, uh, sorry uh, Steve how did you feel about the CGI the vision effects all that business uh, for, the, for the big money stuff obviously for the first four it's the liquor horde and uh, the grub digger as I have now called it um, <laughs> therefore is his name I thought they were fantastic Generally, you know, I thought it would actually beat out its uh, its closest competitor, Welcome to Raccoon City, rather soundly. And dare mm. I say, even 2002's liquors and effects, although they clearly, you know, keep them in shadow a lot more yeah, than that yeah, CGI yeah. abomination of back in the day that only looks better <laughs> when it's practical. But that, no, the, the, the actual giant grub beast is fantastic. I wish there was more of these uh, unique to this series B.O.W.s out and about showing off. That would have been making it a bit more distinct than, say, The Walking Dead. Mm. The only other bad guys that are kind of lame is, uh, like, you know, the, the Brotherhood of Nod Troopers or the Cylons or whatever the Nod guys are. I mean, the um, <laughs> Umbrella Tactical Troops are in the future. They look so stock, generic, sci-fi bad guy. It hurts me. And yes. When they fire their guns, it's either they have a, a faint muzzle flash that affects the environment or literal PNGs of uh, gun flashes. Like, compared to the CGI flare of the big beasties, seeing PNG gun blasts just made me cringe. And I only saw that on the second viewing before this podcast. So it, it's good that you could ignore it the first time. But oof, yeah, it took me out. Brian getting shot up by cartoon stock PNGs. <laughs> I didn't even see that. That's terrible. Uh, yeah, you're right. You know, the liquors, it's good they didn't overexpose them, so it made them look even cooler because they're all shifting around in the shadows and stuff and gave them a spooky edge of their own. Um, it's like aliens. It's, it's, yes. it's like the um, the atmosphere process a bit where they're getting taken out, but you don't see it only without like grainy video to blur it. Mm. The uh, the big, the, the final, let's, put, let's say the, the final major BOW was my favourite. Um, I think I did that incredibly well. I also didn't expect it. it was really nice, and even the one that was meant to be the final BOW that we didn't see anything of, and we'll talk about that next time, I'm sure. Uh, I kind of liked what we saw of it. Um, for the for the for the bad stuff, um, zombies were 
awful. They looked awful. They moved awful. Everything about them was bad. I didn't like them at all. Uh, and you don't go back and watch Welcome to Raccoon City now, trust me, because they look incredible in that film. Uh, <laughs> which made it even worse when you realise how these are just... Uh, yeah, they're not... I don't know what's wrong with them, but it just doesn't feel... I don't want to go, it's not Resident Evil. It's like, well, <laughs> it's such a cheap, stupid thing to say. But it's it didn't... Resident Evil, the Zeros. It's a different virus. It's well, okay, for sure. All right, it, they make them the most, like, boring zombies in the world then. It just, the thing not that gets me is, at close range, when the camera's close to them, they've got makeup on, there's, like, postures and stuff. The further in the back, again, this is rewatch problems... They, the less makeup they have, to the point where there are just some people milling about in dark, yeah. rusty, bloodstained Steve, clothes. I saw that the first watch. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say that the thing that they really don't get right, and you know, which they kind of should have done, is when zombies are in a in a when there's a whole like squad of zombies, it looks pretty bad. Like the mm-hmm. writing. Sorry, the lighting that they've done for the zombies makes it look bad, which is wild because they do really well with lighting and like everywhere else in this, right? But the zombies, when they're in groups, they don't look great. I mean, mm. Shaun of the Dead was what, 2003, 2004? That had way more yeah. convincing zombies than this, and that's a comedy. Mm. Mm. Exactly. Uh, Kelsey, what do you think of the visual effects? Um, so, on the whole, I do think it is quite good. I'm uh, going to start with quick, however. Um, the and then I do have lots of good things to say. Uh, it's a little bit frustrating because one of the early CGI monsters you see after the Gravedigger is the dog. And shot to shot, that sequence is very hit and miss. Um, the lead up w- I thought was awesome. One of the better parts of the show. I thought great atmosphere. And you kind of knew it was going to be the dog that they were going to mm. you know, break out of the cage. Um, but it's the early going of the show. Like When it's behind glass and running, it looks amazing. But any shots of it slowly walking and lumbering around on the table just... Yeah, they were pretty bad. It looked really stuck on, and the model detail and animation was nice, but something just kind of arrived with the comp, and it did did like a weird little jump scare under the table where it just looked very pasted on, and that took me out of it a bit. Um, but yeah, uh, and the zombies, as, as you've mentioned, and I kind of touched on it, some of the zombies are just... They're just really, really bad. Uh, some of the feature zombies are good, uh, but anyway, the liquor sequence did look stunning, have kind of some qualms with a bit of their behaviour, um, mm. but visually it was ace. And yeah, uh, we. I mean, we are. Are we spoiling on what? I haven't really been. Clear. <laughs> I <laughs> mean, these are all things that have mostly been in the trailers. To be fair, I mean, yeah. I mean, um, well, okay. The one that wasn't in the trailer that's yeah. at the very end looked incredible. Right. I mean, big agree. Yeah, just that shows the level that they could achieve, and not a single part of that looked bad. Um, so yeah, really, really good. Spider looked awesome too. Mm. Uh, one of the best horror spiders I've seen. Uh, again, it, it's whatever you want to say about some of the stuff that happens around these sequences and how they're put together and script. Visually, really, really good, really strong. Um, and yeah, there was uh, the zombies. It's just it's a shame that there's some of that really lazy zombie stuff because they're a big selling point and there's some pretty. Yeah, damning clips online. Uh, I don't really like running zombies. I've said that before. But mm. again, I can put that aside. Some of them looked really damn cool. Some of them looked really bad. And yeah, <laughs> welcome to Raccoon City. I've, I've mentioned it again. They looked better. Um, and whether or not I liked the concept of Mother Zero, um, <laughs> spoiler, I didn't. Uh, her visual effects, uh, practical effects looked awesome too. So 
you have to give the show points there. Yeah, for sure. The effects do largely deliver, and that's Netflix money for you. It's just a shame that some of the stuff around it didn't land as well for me. But it was way better than I was expecting, and yeah, a few ropey moments, but it is a struggle to be too critical of the effects. It's not like top god-tier stuff, but it's it's way above average and pushing very, very good in places. Yeah, for sure. That's uh, CGI James, Spider, sorry. I was going to say that that that, that is a, that's probably one of the best uses of CGI and lighting in like a horror yeah. setting I've seen like in a good yeah. long while. Especially when it comes to spiders, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I'm not normally one who's terrified of them, but even I was wincing when that thing was going around. It's not there for too long, but they uh, they really knew at least how to get arachnophobes on the ceiling. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no, totally agree with that, James. What did you think of the CGI? Hated it. No, uh, so, <laughs> no, it was yeah. The dog. So I've, I want to touch on just a small thing, uh, just to back up what KDB KDB said as well. It's whenever that dog moved, whenever that dog moved with his legs, it looked awful. And and like I, I but I want to um, I want to retort something, um, and I think this is based on people's hearing, right? But the thing that uh, the, the prior to them uh, releasing the dog, the thing that uh, kind of got me into that scene and kept my eyes glued is that I heard a crying child in that box. I didn't hear a dog. I heard something crying or something moaning that was like a humanoid. I didn't hear a dog, which was... Definitely heard whimpering. Yeah, like I heard it. It sounded like something was in pain, but it sounded like a child of some kind. So I was expecting like a devil baby child to come out of that <laughs> box. Imagine right. it. <laughs> right. <laughs> but it didn't. I was, you know, I was happy to see the. I was happy to see the dog come out, but then immediately when I saw it walk, I was like, "Oh, why can they never get dogs right?" Oh god! There is a there is an alternate version of this film, like this series, where the baby from Village, Village. comes out and everyone's raving about it. Now. <laughs> Cheers, James. Yeah, you're welcome. By the way, um, <laughs> um, the other thing I want to bring everyone's attention to is kind of the references that they uh, they do, like small little references to, uh, like eighties, nineties, um, kind of action horror stuff, um, like Robocop, for instance. Right at the beginning. Um, you, you get like a long seven to ten second scene of the face melting from this zombie, which looked mm. really good. Again, mm-hmm. just kind of calling out the 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 seat that were the VFX of the show and how well they've done um, with it. It looked great. Other than the zombies, like there was also like a scene right at the beginning where, because um, I agree, as I said before, the zombies do look kind of pants, not as good as Welcome, but. There was a scene that made me in, like really interested, and that was when uh, I felt like I was in West Side Story, but at the same time I was down for it. Because when she puts the rabbit down, or rather it goes like, and then they just all look at it. I expected them all to then burst into song. You know, <laughs> it, it, but at the same time, I loved it because it was super cheesy. And I was like, yeah, I, I'll let that go. Um, but yeah, um, another thing, this might be controversial. Uh, we'll talk about the spider because the spider is my favorite, other than something else in part two um yeah. but uh the spider is my favorite and it is i think the best spider i've seen in like yeah any yeah show it's up there. like even Sh- shelob from yeah i thought about shelob too from Shelob's. return of the king i shelob looks amazing but this spider looks even more terrifying like 
oh it was it was so good like and i love spiders and they weren't cowards and they put a, and they put a spider in, in something to do with re and i understand mm-hmm. why like shows wouldn't want to put spiders in. a lot of people have arachnophobia you know um but man it was so good to see a spider and it being brutal as well just ripping that man in half like, <laughs> it was oh man it was that was cool yeah i was expecting you know i was expecting like a you know a stab in the chest and that was it but no it, it the spider went no i'm going all the way up to 11 i'm gonna rip mm. this man in half <laughs> it was it was great um yeah and the the other um kind of big call out was the was the queen zombie but i feel like if they just spent as much time on the queen zombie as they did with all the other zombies especially in the front row at least you know we would have had yeah. a much better um you know experience with the zombies because they didn't feel you know how in later re's zombies don't feel or when you get to a certain point zombies don't feel like a threat Mm. in this show the zombies didn't feel like a threat i never felt yeah other than other than the queen zombie i never felt like the zombies were a threat to people other than being something they navigate around i think there was something there was one scene that made me go huh in um episode four where the the i think the kill count for zombies is mostly because people keep are pushed into them or they put themselves right. into stupid situations like the in yeah. episode episode four there was a woman who she came across uh after going like seeing if things were clear she goes over to the gate pushes it closed right and uh yeah she got herself killed like but it, they weren't threatening like just to look at like so I wasn't invested in that kill and I wasn't invested in any of the other kills because all the zombies just look meh. And now, reading the file Director's Diary from Resident Evil 3 Nemesis, Happy Smelly, who you can follow on Twitter at smelly underscore happy. September 10th, these patients suffer from gangrene and congestion of their blood at first. Then their mind slowly deteriorates. In the end, there is nothing left of their mind. When that happens, even mercy killing seems pointless. After all, they are already dead. (laughs) This disease is unlike anything I have ever witnessed. Once the patient's mind is gone, they become flesh-hungry monsters and act like wild animals who are on some type of bloodlust. September 18th, another patient has been admitted to the hospital. He is showing symptoms of the first stages of the disease at this point, but I haven't been able to sleep at all these past few days. I refuse to let these patients become zombies. I am not just an ordinary citizen. I am a doctor. Even if I die, my clinical charts will contribute to finding a cure. September 26th, we lost most of the doctors and staff during the battle against the zombie patients. It's impossible to maintain the hospital under these conditions, and I know that it's too late for me. I'm beginning to feel the same itchy and hungry desire that all of my patients felt. It's, it's too late for me. Uh, all right, let's move along to before we get into breakdown episodes. We've got to talk about characters and sort of performances and that kind of thing. Uh, James, let's start with you again because uh, I feel bad for making you go last every time. Uh, <laughs> what did you think of? You know, I know this is a big question. There's a lot of characters, but generally, 
any highlights and lowlights for you in terms of the casting and the performance? Obviously, Lance Reddick is a king. Yes. Um, he every dad stare he shot, I felt in my <laughs> the, the bottom of my stomach. It's just you know, I, it was just that every time I just felt him just look around the corner, you know, I just stare. You know, I was like, oh, I've done something wrong. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, dad. You know, it was like, <laughs> and yeah, just he just he did steal it. But there are some like other good like I feel, and I know I'm going to be disagreed with here. But I feel like Jade and Billy, uh, younger Jade and Billy did a great job. I also feel like um, 2038, is it 2030? Yeah, 2038 Billy did well too. What was it, 36? 36. 36, yeah. Sorry, 38 is Rose. Half past yeah. the future, James. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I thought she did well too. But I, Jade and Billy, uh, I think they were given, um, I, I think I'll let this loose now. I think they were given an idea of what these characters should be. I think they ran with it. Billy and Jade aren't meant to be good people. Mm. They're, they're not meant to grow into good people. That's what this show is about. And you're not meant to like Jade. And you're also not really meant to like Billy. Mm. Um, and throughout the first episode, you get tons of like clues. You hear the word from both Billy and Jade, and once from Simon, I think, you hear oh wait Simon is later on but you hear Jade and Billy say the word psycho like five six times or psychotic mm -hmm. like five six times you see them do really unhinged things Billy like broke a kid's leg Billy punched somebody in the nose and broke his nose like Billy she does things later on as well that are just wild Jade beat the crap out of somebody you know to be and fair then, James and tell then, me and, kind of brought that one on herself not not to be and then uh, blamed it on a sister. Yeah, that is kind of messed up. Now that I think about it. These yeah. these kids are not good. They're not good kids. Like this show is not a show about who is the hero. Not yet, anyway. Right, and like and in episode one, it kind of gives you a a, a pathway. Uh, it gives you the the clues, like to see that the this is not going to be a hero story. They do weird stuff. They do like I mean, they break into the HQ of Umbrella. <laughs> You know, um, the only thing about the thing, because uh, I, I don't want to take up all the time, but the thing, like a bad thing that uh, I didn't like about the show. Um, sorry, my Chrome is going wild. There we go. Um, the thing I didn't like about the show is that at, at the end of episode one, um, they should have done something completely different. Whereas, so the Baxter and the Umbrella, they come to take Jade in the future. And before we're transported to see what happens to Billy, we're told that her sister mm -hmm. is alive. Mm -hmm. That was a really dumb move. Yeah. Like, it totally broke the tension of that entire scene. I legit thought she was dead. Like, at the end. Like, and I was wow. like, I legit thought she was dead. And But then we went to the future and back said, your sister's been looking for you. And I was like, oh, thanks, bro. Like, <laughs> you know, you could a lot. You, you could have just said that at the beginning of episode two. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, yeah. Uh, I have a lot of stuff to say, but yeah, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll say little anecdotes as you guys, if, if I can. But yeah, you guys sure. carry it. You guys carry I, it. That's like the, my biggest problem with episode one. That's fair, actually. You know, I, it, it didn't do 
great things for me, but I also kind of knew anyway because we knew that there was a future Billy cast. But if we didn't, or if that was a swerve, you're right. Mm. Uh, I have my own issues with the ending of episode one when we get there. I can see where you're coming from in terms of they're not good people. Uh, I'm glad you said that. Jade is an asshole. Uh, it's hard to to root for her, and Billy is you know every teenage emotion at once, which is okay, fair enough. But uh, it's really hard to care about either of these sort of archetype of characters. Uh, Lance Reddick's fun, but I didn't really have anyone to root for in the present day thing, which doesn't really help. I mean, the character I enjoyed most out of everyone was Evelyn, and she's definitely the bad guy. So uh, <laughs> that was kind of my problem with it. As I think they did. I think they overall most of the cast did pretty well with what they were given. I just feel like what they were given is, is going to set up to fail, I guess is the term that comes to mind for me. And when we look at the future storyline, Adult Jade is just the anti-Alice because everyone is better than she is and she constantly screws up and needs saving at every turn, which again doesn't really make me want to root for her all that much. Uh, I didn't believe that it's the same character after 14 years. I didn't see uh, anything that connected them personally, even more so when we get to Billy. But uh, that doesn't help because they changed her race, and that was a bit strange. Oh, <laughs> I don't, I'm so glad you said that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I don't know. I don't want to be super like, hard on, it on season one. We, but, well, yeah. for sure. Uh, but I didn't particularly care for either the characters in their present day or future things. But yeah, you're right. We 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 certainly need to call out how Billy changes <laughs> from like Hawaiian to Korean over the course of 14 years. That seems really weird. Everyone's coming out, you know, doing the oh it's so woke nonsense, which is <laughs> absolutely stupid. Uh, but it's like. It's almost like it's not woke because you should have noticed that. Like, surely or the actors really should have called that out. And maybe I'm speaking out of term, you know, uh, here, you know, not being a person of colour. But that seems a very strange uh, choice to make. Um, anyway, that, <laughs> that's all of my <laughs> very negative take on the casting. Uh, also, Irish Umbrella Guy. Uh, I don't get uh. people warmed up to him. He was an asshole and he deserved to die. Anyway, uh, <laughs> Kelsey, what did you think of the casting of the performances? Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned the Billy thing because it raises question marks about the shows, how the casting was done. Um, you know, the the actors look nothing like each other. They're not the same race. And it, it took me out to the show where the point I was doubting it was actually even supposed to be her. So I don't get it. It's inexcusable. Season really... two plot twist, it may not be. You know, no. I mean, it... Okay. But I mean, they got but then the if, same if, hairstyle. Yes. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, if that's Maybe the case, like, it's different. Huh? Yeah, I feel that that's also dumb, but I'm glad we touched on that because I think that can't be let slide. Anyway, the two young actors, I think they did a good job. I mean, I wasn't really a fan of them as, as characters either. Uh, James makes a really great point about them. You're not supposed to like them. But then what you've said, Sai, then there's nobody to like in the show, which is not good because you need to have someone to root for. And uh, But the actors themselves, I thought they had really good chemistry, uh, particularly in episode five, um, where they basically play Resident Evil in the house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, but then their older counterparts, the less said about older Billy, the better. She kind of gives the what did you expect attitude and it comes off as like a spoiled brat rather than someone who went through all the trauma that we've seen in the past. Mm. So, yeah, I'll leave it there for her. Uh, future Jade, um, the actor, Ella, I 
think she's a great actor. Huge presence. I could see her big, being yeah. a big action star. You know, she could play Tomb Raider or be in a Marvel movie or Mission Impossible or something like that. Mm. Yes, please. So, yeah. So she was great and showed great range. But the caveat is I also wasn't crazy about her character because she's a complete asshole And she made multiple utterly stupid decisions throughout you know the episodes. And we'll touch on a few in a bit. Baxter... Yeah, what's this? What are these defenders about? He's a murderer. <laughs> He's horrible and evil, and he deserved to die. Um, yeah, the actor again, great energy, I suppose, but he mm. just didn't have a meaningful character to play. Um, Simon, I'm going to skip Simon and get to my two highlights, uh, who are uh, <laughs> Lance Reddick and uh, uh, Paula Nunez. Is it Paula? 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 Paula. Sorry, probably I'm saying it wrong. Um, who? You know, Nunez, I thought she knocked out of the park with what she had. Um, you get many kind of, you know, boss women characters written so badly that nothing can save them, even a great actor. But here, even though I do have a few issues with some of the writing, I think for the first time in a long time of the TV show, this type of character uh, captivated me. She felt like a threat, and especially in that past, you know, setting stuff. And she sort of, you know, this was Simmons level, you know, villain, but with way <laughs> more charisma. Um, she's got an edge to her and has obviously that brilliantly striking face with her big smile. And performance wise, great delivery. And as, as absolutely mental as that moment is in, a, in later in the series, she does show some humanity, even though it's overruled by kind of her need for power. Um, you know, she's not smiling when she does that. She's mm. very upset. Mm. Um it is jarring to see her completely emasculated in the future. Um, and I'd rather we got there eventually than them just pulling the rug out from us. That being said, uh, I love the mind control scene and kudos to her for throwing herself into She did an incredible that. job. Yeah, 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 loved it. And people are sort of using that scene out of context to slate the show, which is kind of sad, really. But anyway, uh, last but not least, Lance Reddick carries the show uh, as much as I enjoyed other bits here and there I, I think if Lance Reddick wasn't in the show I'm not sure I would have made it to the end mm. uh, he is one of the big reasons to keep watching and uh, the range he shows uh, the intrigue and then the absolute death look that he can give like James mentioned <laughs> yeah he's he's warm and charming while also being mysterious and terrifying and it, absolutely perfect casting with him first class performance I'll touch on some of my favourite moments in a bit, but yeah, if there's one reason to watch the show, it, it's him, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Steve, what do you feel about the, the cast and their performances? Uh, generally, they're a bit mid. Like, uh, not in a bad way, not in a good way, they're a bit mid. Mm. You know, there are exceptions, you know, uh, Paola Nunes, like, a lot of people seem to be going, oh, they're a generic girl boss lady. I'm like, this is a Resident Evil villain who has a motivation, a plan, and a character about them more than just the world will burn in an inferno of hate. That's, <laughs> That's her quote-unquote father. <laughs> yeah. You know? So uh, give, give them some freaking credit, all right? You know, they, their, their plan is dollar signs, money, and control. And that's a lot more in-depth than, like, you know, the entire world will be infected with Ouroboros. It's it's impressive that this character that's getting slated actually has motivation and stuff beyond the usual Resident Evil stock. It annoys me. And obviously Lance Reddick, like, you know, a controversial take maybe. I feel like if they ever have to go down the remake of a Resident Evil route, 
let's let's let him have Wesker wholesale. Yes. You know, I reckon that would be great if he leads the Stars team into a mansion at some point. He is that good as Wesker in this series. Like, you know, he... You could be falling asleep trying to get through this. The second he's on screen, you're awake, you're paying attention, and he's doing something awesome. Even if it is injecting himself in the neck or catching a rat in the tub. Like, it, 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 yeah, yeah it, it's pretty good. The teen actors, generally, I didn't have any problem with. I especially love Billy's, before it's completely ruined, I love the itchy, tasty stuff going on. Like where they they're meant to be at the at the start at least the more meek of the two sisters and trying to keep a lid on their quote unquote psycho tendencies as they're slowly losing it. I actually thought that was really well portrayed. Like yeah. as a, a confused kid losing the mind, it, it gets ruined. You know, spoilers for later episodes. It gets ruined and completely peed all over. But those bits where it's not ruined, pretty good. Jade in both timelines is fine. Like for me, they they are quote-unquote central protagonist or at least I think they're meant to be yeah and they're fine they're just fine I think the uh, the lady playing Jane in the future her name is could jumping out of my head I'm sorry but she's also gonna be the main protagonist in Forspoken so it looks like her career's on up and up just saying mm-hmm. I know we're talking about that that's the PlayStation exclusive video game sorceress lady out of time thing oh yeah so they'll, they'll bounce back nice. from this if this goes completely south cool Future Billy can go jump in a skip. They, they feel like they literally fell out the final chapter of uh, Resident Evil Andersonverse stuff. Mm. That's boring. That is just... Yeah. All right, now, the spoilers for part two of the podcast. That's as much as you're getting, but she's crap. <laughs> you know, not, not beating around the bush, she's crap. Baxter is pain. Uh, the, the, the one quote-unquote interesting moment is them murdering things to Jamiroquai. And I think the only reason I like that is because the missus loves Jamiroquai, so I know the song fairly well, you know. He's just an insufferable f***ing the entire time he's on screen. And then there's Simon moving on. <laughs> you know, so I think I've gone through the entire gamut of characters, and uh, generally speaking, yeah... Anyone who's talking smack about Evelyn Marcus, which I think is a clever term to refer to both the front and back end of Resident Evil at present, and mm. Albert Wesker, y- yeah, those two are the saving graces by far. Uh, I'm sorry for my two-minute duck tirade about characters, but yeah, <laughs> generally speaking, who is Simon and why do we care? Oh, he's all right. He's the... the, the they're like... There is a class in Bloodborne called Milk Toast, right? And, and they have more character than Simon Leave does. Leave Simon alone. Listen, he literally does the hacker I'm in twice in this show. Like, okay. I could not oh, believe it. Incredible. Yeah. Because yeah. Resident Evil doesn't have that, you know. <laughs> yes, it'd be nice to move past those things. And maybe I just feel like I could wish I got to know him better. Like, you know, because he's just some kid... He's, he's, he's somehow principal to the plot, but not. Listen, everybody knew a kid who could do that at school. I did. I knew a kid okay. who could do that. His uh, name was ge- Simon, but I knew a kid. <sighs> Generic boy who's got a crush on a girl is also Hacker Man. The end. Yeah, he <laughs> just wasn't cast well. Oh, yeah, 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 that was a good yeah. twist. I thought that was a really good twist where, like, oh, yeah, hi, mom. And, like, ah! <laughs> he, he spoke at the same sort of 
decibel the entire show and I don't think his eyebrows raised I don't think he I'm not sure he even blinked to be honest oh Christ oh Christ okay alright let's <laughs> let's I jump can't, into can't believe this slander yep. how did he break past um, Umbrella's firewall because he's smart he's Simon the smart Evelyn probably okay. let him let's be real yeah. get some street cred yeah <laughs> Alright, let's get into a bit of an episodic breakdown. I don't know if uh, everyone's notes are any more con- well constructed than mine. A very slapdash no. of just. I literally wrote <laughs> things as I. And I've only seen the show through once, so they are uh, very contextless. So mine are going to be all over the place when we go into this. But we are going to go through episode one through to episode four. Um, Steve, why lights you... and low lights, I guess. Yeah, Steve, why don't you kick us off with your thoughts on Welcome to New Raccoon City? What are the things you liked about the first episode? What are the things you didn't like about the first episode? Panically scrambles and grabs notes. <laughs> so the first note I have about episode one is god awful CGI fire. <laughs> so so we, we, we've skipped a few bits. I believe what I was talking about was uh, the, the, the the act of like she flubs trying to investigate some zeros at the start, doesn't she? And then some PNGs of fire get sprayed out of these weird antennas around the camp, and and then then we get a practical shot of a face melt, so it's pretty good. Sorry, sorry, what was the question again? My notes seem to send me astray. <laughs> good things and bad things about episode one. Oh, right, okay, good things. <laughs> Setting up the actual fa- the, the, the family, familial cast, the stuff I was most like apprehensive about, I thought was actually rather strong. The... There are bamboozling points about the fact that Umbrella have a 30-minute out arrival time for a disaster at their unmanned facility late at night. Literally everyone goes home, <laughs> which can be broken into by two teenagers and a voice message. Yep. So there were some things that just puzzled me. I feel like one of them CinemaSins heads or those like <laughs> right-wing types who just have a PNG of like a bear in a suit complaining right now. There are things I like about this show. I want to say that up front. But yeah, the the, the, <clears throat> the way it builds up, the, the the first episode is very rough. Basically, you have Jade in the future who's trying to investigate the Zeros, completely bottles it and gets attacked by a giant grub monster. And then she's cut out of it and you flash back to the past and the, the kids are just annoying for a bit. So it takes a little while for the first episode to actually kick off, if that makes any sense. Mm. So someone help me out because I'm feeling like I'm just um, spinning the wheels out of my head. I... All right, well, uh, let's. I'll do some uh, some notes. Uh, I do. I don't have anything on that opening. To be fair, um, it wasn't. It's very was, twenty eight days later, isn't it? Like it, trying to be uh, that bridge shot. Absolutely, it is. Um, I think it did pretty well, which is why I don't have anything written about it. It wasn't bad by any means, um, you know. And of course, the what we call it, the grub. Grub keeper? What? <laughs> the grub <keeper>. Now we are. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. Um, even in the flashback, the flashback, the present day stuff, uh, I liked Jade and Billy's introductions and interactions and that kind of thing. You know, Lance basically talking to himself in the car. Uh, I, yeah, but I thought that the, the sisters talking was quite good. And then at one point in the episode, we get a bit of a tease of how they were made, that they're twins, but they have different mothers I thought oh okay that's interesting we've got a tease already so that's cool um, 
right from the off, of course, we haven't mentioned it yet, but the soundtrack's great. The use of music's really, really good. Overall, very modern, uh, but not in a try-hard kind of way, except maybe the Billie Eilish stuff, which was a little bit like, okay, I've got no issue with Billie Eilish, but the fact that you have a character called Billie, Billie who looks like Billie Eilish and you're playing Billie Eilish music, it's like, yeah, I get it. But overall, the soundtrack was really good and really well used. Um, the Green Herb shirt in the cafeteria, that was nice. Uh, obviously, this episode features Lance Reddick doing his very first Wesker moment of sort of lauding his position over somebody in the principal's office. Oh, oh God, what a scene. Which was, yeah. yeah, absolutely one of the best bits of the episode. That, and I, I do think the Cerberus uh, showdown at the end kind of saved it outright, completely. Um, the Anderson love came strong, though, certainly. The fact that there's a... That dude is called I something Isaacs or whatever, you know. I was like, oh, right. okay. <laughs> that was that, yeah. Yeah, that's a fun nod. And, the you know, our business is life itself. It's like, okay, yep, there's some more Anderson stuff. Um, other than that, most of the stuff I've really covered, I immediately didn't like uh, Jade. I immediately didn't like the way the zombies moved. Um, and the one I mentioned I was going to get to this earlier is it's hard to believe... Billy Wesker is dead, not because they tell you that she's alive, but because Albert Wesker is alive. I was like, well, he magically came back from the dead. So why do we care that she's been bitten by a dog? Is that how we're going to understand how he's back from the dead? Is she Has she got cloned? Is she going to get cloned? Obviously, they went a completely different route with it, which I think is kind of meh. <laughs> my idea in my head was way more interesting to me that we were going to get immediately into... Uh, trying to reconstruct her. Maybe not. I wasn't really on the cloning thought process, but I was like, okay, that's interesting. Uh, but then the next episode, they immediately just go, nah, never mind, she's all right. <laughs> so, she's, <laughs> she's not dead, she's just bit. Yeah, she's Ugh. just bit. It was a big cliffhanger for nothing. Uh, James, what are your highlights and lowlights of uh, the first episode? I have many, Sai. Good. <laughs> <laughs> So the first scene we see, um, other than the her waking Jade waking up, is her walking into London, and she is in a tent, and she has a discussion with her with her family. Um, and at this point, it's like, oh, in my head, I'm going, they look to be in like some place that's that's completely safe. Where the heck are they? You know, why why is Jade out here? Um, so that immediately intrigued me about what that would entail in the future. Um, I really like that. Um, in after that scene, she like starts to carry on with her laboratory testing and she sprays herself with a bottle at the start um she like they put it in frame they put the bottle in frame she picks it up and then she sprays herself um at this point i think she was very close to some kind of breakthrough um which we learn about later on um Mm. which we'll go out on about like later on in uh, uh in part two but she uh but she mentions um she mentions in episode two uh later on that um, the team mutates. Oh wait, it's the end of no, it's the end of episode one. I think actually, um, the stronger their sense of smell is is well, the team mutates, and then when it mutates, the stronger their smell gets. So it would. I, I was just thinking this is kind of cool detail because it would make sense to try and mask yourself with a smell, which also leads to her um, her further um, um, experiments later on. So she got had like an, a, a better idea of of how it all worked. She just needed that one thing, that key thing. So I thought mm. that was kind of cool because it was like foreshadowing what would happen in the future, and it happened right at the beginning of the show. 
Um, mm. So it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, the the running zombies I didn't really like very much, um, but at the same time, and they didn't feel very. As first time you and probably last time you hear me say this, but didn't feel like re zombies. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, this is set in the future where the mutation could have caused the speed that they go at um, and, like, metabolize them or whatever. You know, crimson you can zeros. You can, exactly, you can use any kind of pseudoscience-y crap in Resident Evil universes. Um, again, you know, the melting faces was pretty dope. The evil caterpillar was awesome. And I loved um, the, the swift neck turn. It's almost neck-breaking. Um, just before the the caterpillar was it Grub Monster, <laughs> Grub Keeper, Grub Keeper, Grub Keeper, the Grub Keeper. Um, just as it's going to strike at Jade, <laughs> and we just switch to New Raccoon City and Billy Eilish's oxytocin. I love that. <laughs> I love that switch. It was it was really awesome to me. Um, and I think you know the thing that intrigued me so much. Uh, the the thing that was peak intrigued me about the show. <laughs> is that I knew Wesker wasn't going to be the... We all knew that Wesker wasn't going to be the Wesker we knew, right? Mm -hmm. wasn't because we'd heard him and we're like... But the thing that made me more intrigued, I was like, where's it going to go? Where? Why is he like this? Because mm -hmm. you can't just blatantly make a character like this, which is named Albert Wesker, and not make him like the Wesker we knew, right? I just thought it was really intriguing. I liked what they did. Um, I'm not going to mention the Z word. Um, <laughs> um, you know what I'm talking about. Um, I also, they, they speak about, the kids, they speak about like their previous life and stuff. And I mentioned it earlier on, but Billy mentions that, well, rather Jade mentions to Billy, you know, that she's stronger than she knows she is. And, you know, and then she says, you know, she broke a kid's leg and stuff. And you here you're starting to see um, it's just something else I'm going to touch on several times. You're starting to see that these kids have some kind of superhuman strength in some way. Mm. Mm. Um, you know, uh, and then that makes me intrigued even more because we hear that, you know, Wesker is their father slash stepfather. Um, so why are they connected in this way? And it, it constantly, like, questions are popping up in my head every time there'd be a scene. Uh, and then um, it was actually uh, Steve... Uh, I think it was Ark actually who mentioned who, I had to watch it again but the Zeros thing mm. I don't I don't like the Zeros I don't like it I, I don't like the Hollywood or whoever else like constantly changing the name of zombies but at the same time Jade calls them the Zero Strain zombies right? Yeah uh, Zero Strain carriers because they can't hear and they can't uh, see they can smell Yeah so it makes sense thematically why she would call them zeros and everybody else call them zeros because they'd be different from other zombies. That's another reason why, like, you know, they they might be different. Um, yeah, again, I mentioned La like Lance Henriksen's dad looks are amazing. Just Jade being annoying and ignoring Billy. Every scene with Jade and Billy was just Jade ignoring Billy, and I was like, at the when I first started, I was like, why the heck are you doing this? Um, and then when I got to like episode four and five, I was like, ah, okay, I know why, which is what I just mentioned. Um, yeah, and I've already mentioned the locations and stuff, and I've already mentioned the uh, um, like the ending of the show, which I both liked and disliked because of the just then completely cutting right. the tension. Um, yeah. But yeah, you you also um, one last thing is that 
um, I mentioned earlier about um, just like people not being, you're not meant to like these people, but that doesn't mean you cannot, you can't still, you know, push for them. You know, like I did want Billy to stand up for herself. I did want Wesker to come out of his shell and be the an ounce of the Wesker that we knew. And we got that in the principal's office. There's a lot of these little scenes that you see that are just kind of breadcrumbed through the show um, that kind of give you an idea of, well, it kind of give you something to grasp on so you can kind of give these characters a push um, and kind of get behind them. But then they do something crappy and then you're reminded, oh, they're not nice people. Um, and the first time you see that uh, with Billy, uh, well, the first time you see that is with Jade, and that's when she beats up, is it Tammy? Yeah, I think so. Beats up Tammy, and then blames on her sister. And then um, when Billy gets burritoed in the face, and you see Billy walk off, and you see her, you know, steaming basically away, right? And I was like, I yeah, I'm kind of getting the, the measure of these kids now, and what they are. Um, overall, first episode, uh, I liked it. It did draw, draw me in. I just didn't like the end of it as much as uh, it could have been. It could have been much better. Uh, there is some things there, but I'm gonna I'm gonna loop back around to something in a moment. But Kelsey, I'm gonna let you you know say your piece on sure. episode one. What's your favourites and these favourite things? Yeah, just a few little bits, really. Um, I think it does set up some good questions. I think the thing James is talking about, about the superhuman powers and stuff, I don't think that's supposed to be a secret. Um, I don't, I'm don't. i not really crazy about it, but I sort of thought, well, surely this might be the case to some degree. But yeah, the episode starts okay, um, and there's bits across it that I did really like. I think... The footage of Tijuana is really cool and creepy and things like that are used a few times across the series and I thought they were all really good. Mm. Um, You know, the introduction of the characters, I think it sets them all up really well. There's nothing to really hugely dislike apart from the personal taste things like we've mentioned the zeros and the running zombies. It's like me just kind of going, oh really? Oh really? But I know that that doesn't necessarily make it a really bad show. It's just... I would have preferred something different, but that's fine. That's just personal preference thing. Um, but then, yeah, there was good stuff. The scene in the principal office is just, yeah, it's it was in that I could not take my eyes off Lance Reddick. Yeah, that. it was so so good. And so this is what I mean. If you start to drift, hopefully he brings you back up, brings you back in with things like that. Um, a few other little bits. I loved loved the music when Billy first sees the rabbits, and then it comes back when they break into the lab as well. We've we've mentioned the. The soundtrack a little bit and some of the needle drops they're they're a bit hit and miss i wasn't as big a fan of the jamiroquai one but anyway um <laughs> the actual soundtrack music uh was awesome with breaking into the lab um there's quite a few good one-liners um our dad that wears socks to the beach uh i'm gonna be great at heroin like there's just <laughs> little things like that which i don't know i kind of liked them and it did mm. levity is is uh, short in kind of you know numbers on this show and not to jump ahead but you know there's a character or you know a, 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 a sub character that appears later that I think should have been brought in sooner because they bring a lot of levity and they should have come in sooner uh, the show is uh, severely desperately in need of more levity because um, mm. yeah, it's very very serious uh, the um, the sets are great big and detailed uh, I've talked about the dog set piece oh the dog was killed the same way as Welcome to Raccoon City yes, the fire extinguisher to the face um, yeah. which you know I like to think was a reference just for me um, but <laughs> yeah there was um, 
I kind of thought, oh, you know, they weren't lying about the family drama thing, but I, I didn't hate it. I just thought episode one was a bit of a mixed bag. Um, James, when you said Z-word, do you mean Zootopia? Yes. Yeah, well, I mean, again, that's another thing that people online are using out of context to slate exactly, the show. Yeah. And it's just nonsense, because in context, it's perfectly fine. It's Jade being a smart ass and whatever. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, yeah, so good good things and not so good things. Um, love, obviously, the grave digger, uh, great grave keep, grub keeper. We <laughs> like him. Uh, but... but um, the shot where Jade's running away is really badly comped as well, and that took me out of it. But then, but then it's fine after. It's just one shot, and I'm, this is what I meant earlier, where some of it is so incredible, and then there's just one shot that's really bad. And I think, oh, I, what are you doing? Yeah. I get, I get what you mean because there was a when she's running away, there was one bit. Actually, she's, I put it in my notes. She yeah. dives she's underneath wobbling. the she dives underneath the train, and then yeah. she just waits there. Yeah. It's like, why are you not? Yeah. Why are you not scrambling deeper in underneath the train? What are you doing? Yeah, she. The character makes a few dumb decisions. Obviously, the jump at the end of the episode mm. as well. I was like, why are you doing this? <laughs> like, does she know she's got superhuman powers at this stage? Maybe I don't know. Um, but yeah, up and down for episode one. Uh, I was ready for episode two at the end. I wasn't switching off yeah. like I know some people did. Yeah, I, I I'm completely in agreement with there with that one. So a mixed bag is definitely the way, way to put it, and I was definitely interested to see more. There was enough teasers and stuff hanging there where I was like, okay, mm. I need to know a little bit more about this. Um, James, you said in your little breakdown there about the running zombies and how maybe they've learned to run in the you know the time since. Interesting theory. Uh, that totally works because we know they're different zombies, right? We well, that's the thing. Now too. Like, they are totally different zombies because, like, who's to say they weren't running in original Raccoon City? Because it's good. It's a completely different. This is this show is not canon, is what I'm getting to. Yeah. This. Yeah. <laughs> this is its own universe, and that's the way we need to look at it. That's the best way to look at it, as far as I'm concerned. Andrew Dow said it was canon, and therefore I need to throw my toys out of the pram on every social media platform, on every single post <laughs> about this show, every can I, can I... moment of my life. <laughs> can I can I posit something? Like, would you? It is it is its own universe because there's some things that don't make sense. Umbrella being one of them, right? Mm. But they had to use Umbrella because if they used and if they used any other, if, like, can you imagine? They could have got a dry cell, I think. But they, yeah, no, 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 no. If they're in the, they're in the writers' room, right? Like, right, we need an organization. We've got all these organizations here, right? We're relaunching. Like a live action TV, well, we're launching a fresh live action TV series. Like, what organizations do we use? We've got all of these, right? Everyone says Tricell, you know, folks say Blue Umbrella, folks say BSAA, whatever else, you know. No, that doesn't work. We have to do Umbrella. We have to. Like, because mm-hmm. if they didn't, it people would have cried even more. Why is it Umbrella? Why is Umbrella not being used? You know, it's, people would have been upset more. And the, the mm-hmm. other thing I wanted to posit as well is that. This is an alternate universe. This is like not canon, right? But would would everybody here be okay with them using like like they have with this show, using little bits from the games to further their own alternate universe? I actually so it's funny, Steve making a joke about uh, complaining about it not being canon, even though we were told it was <laughs> canon. At least I've done that privately in my own private life. <laughs> but but regardless, like it it was one of those things when when I you know you can't unknow that information that we've been told that this is meant to be canon with the games when it very clearly, James, as you have just said, 
It can't be. It does not fit. But if they were more, you know, forthright with it and said, it's not canon. It's its, it's, it's, its own... Don't even have to say that. It's its own alternate universe, but it is informed by some of the stuff in the games. Mm. I'm perfectly happy with stuff to be the same as it is in the games. I'm perfectly happy to, to change some of the stuff in the game. It's just, for some reason, about the fact they said that, it's like, it got stuck in my head, and through watching this, I had to remind myself, stop caring about these little inconsistencies. It's not. It's not canon. It's its own thing. Let it be its own thing. It'll be better for it. And and in a a way, it is, because if you're trying to force it to fit, whether you are in your own head trying to force it to fit, or you are Andrew Dabb trying to force it to fit... You're better at letting it do its own thing, and they took. They, I, I, we're jumping way out of order here, but you know, there's recent news story came out that he'd love to use Lady D, and people were like, "Well, how would that fit?" It's like he can fit however the hell you want. <laughs> it doesn't yeah. matter, does it? <laughs> it's fiction. <laughs> she can be an umbrella employee, like well, whatever. That, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. That's the wild thing. That's the thing that's kind of thrown me off every time I see these complaints. It's like we're dealing with pseudoscience here, folks. We did, you can literally add, that as well. And, and Lady D could literally be Wesker's mom. It wouldn't matter. Like, you, know. <laughs> <laughs> you can like it's storytelling in a suit with a pseudoscience setting. Like you can do anything with it. Like it's mm. you know you can do any. And that's literally what they do. That's what Capcom do. They do anything with it. Like there are some things that really don't make freaking sense in our universe, but we all eat it up because it's fun. The game's hella fun. Mm-hmm. And that's what it comes down to. What you were saying about. It's it. Of course, they use the umbrella logo. Of course, they use Raccoon City. They're going to do this every time. That's yeah. just the way it is. So it's the logo. It's the location. As far as everyone is concerned, it's just the way it's going to be. So you just need to disconnect from that. And in this universe, uh, Raccoon City happened, and then big question marks until this. We don't know. You know, there all the all the stuff after that, <laughs> other than a volcano, mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, <laughs> which was mentioned stuff like that that's fine you know neat references but it's clearly not reflective of that entire universe and it doesn't need to be unless it suddenly starts claiming that it is and proving that it is you know rather than yeah like if, if that's the thing that I would I would track back and I'd be like no you can't do this you can't just change the well there obviously there's massive things they can't suddenly go oh yeah there was a big bioterrorism incident in China in 2012 or whatever and everyone knows about monsters because this whole season of the show has proven that you know but they could absolutely insert but like, oh, this is this is canon. Even we've not mentioned this character, but they do exist in this universe. And you're like, oh, okay, I, cool. It doesn't conflict I, to anything, you know. Yeah, I think that's why they've done the future thing. It's because they have a lot to work with. They have a mm. lot of time to work with, right? And they've also get, also given like Capcom options. If I mean, they never will, right? But they've given them options if they do want to, like maybe like work hand in hand in the future with something not in terms of a canon thing but in terms of just making them connected in like a small way so like you got your people who enjoy the show you got your people who enjoy you know the game because i feel that's what paul ws anderson was trying to do with the original movies but they didn't work because they were so well crap so in it's 10 like- years when resistance 2 finally comes out <laughs> There will be a character called Jade, who is completely not Jade Wesker from the show, but she will still unlock a red jumpsuit, much like the Resistance <laughs> outfit for Jill. Yeah. You know, that, that'll totally be it, I'm telling you. Mm. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> to be honest. Uh, yeah, all right, sorry, we got very sidetracked. Sorry, there, everybody. It, it was a conversation that obviously was going to happen at some point. 
Um, so let's jump into episode two in that case. Devil, you know. Uh, Kelsey, what are your highlights, lowlights for episode two? Well, first and foremost, I'm glad pubs are still around after the apocalypse. Because <laughs> yeah. uh, we'll really, That's a really comforting thought. Um, yeah, the first two opening scenes are quite good. You've got Wesker helping with the injury and Future Jade being attacked by the zombies with the new character just dying <laughs> straight away. <Yeah. laughs> but I like that. It's like, yeah, yeah, the zombies are dangerous. They do kill people. Um, then you've got Evelyn's intro... Uh, I wrote here on my notes a better Wesker than Wesker. I was probably too hyped there when I wrote that, but yeah, she. I just. I think she's introduced really well. Um, a big highlight for this episode. There's lots that happen. I'm not going to go over everything, but I. I. I did like this was one of the future scenes uh, with Barry, but not Barry Burton, being chained up in the bathroom. Um, you know, this is again. This is pace slowing down. It's an mm. intimate scene. Jade's. Uh, I, God, what did she need to get? I think she had to get a pocket. To get a key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the one. Um, so yeah, and just the effects were good, and the, just the way it was kind of all directed, and it was very enclosed. She looked kind of silly when she sort of armored up with all the kitchen stuff, but again, that's levity <laughs> right. that the show yeah. was lacking in, and I liked that. So yeah, it was a good scene, and I think. Um, after episode one where it was kind of a mixed bag i was watching episode two and there was nothing again huge but there's more character introductions and there's a few things that i did like so i certainly wasn't being turned off by the show um and yeah there's there was stuff that was keeping my interest and i think the fam as i mentioned wesker helping with the injury there was that's the dialogue scenes that i was talking about in the very beginning like the dialogue is up and down, but there are some good scenes, and I liked it. You know, I was along for the family drama ride at that point. Mm. Um, this is one of the episodes that has the I'm in hacker line, um, which I did <laughs> not like. Um, yeah, I, I like the scene with Pablo the dog barking at Jade. It's again, it's a bit tropey, but because the dog is so small, <laughs> there's always something funny about a little yappy dog mm. going absolutely nuts, and they do it like four times, <laughs> but um. Yeah, uh, the rat looked cool as well. Very foreboding and referencing the games. So, yeah, this was so far so okay, mm. I thought, by episode two. I uh, My first positive note on this one actually was I find myself a bit more invested at this point with the parts mm. like the conspiracy element. I was very interested to see what Definitely. their sort of take on what was going on behind the scenes with Umbrella. And obviously at this point, my brain was still trying to wonder if this was going to fit. So I was like, oh, they're going to try and explain why Umbrella is still around. But either way, it was still interesting. Um, and Billy's infection, despite the fact that, as I said before, I would I, I would have preferred them to regrow her or something. But I was interested <laughs> in it. I, I also like the way some parts of that were shot. You know, she gets looking, you talked about staring in the mirror. This is one of the first ones, but she goes and looks and her gums are bleeding. I thought that was really well shot, that whole section. Mm-hmm. Um, the Barry bit was just fun zombie movie schlock really it's not original but it was decent as you say it had some fun to it it was its own like i don't know its own little encapsulated moment um it does have some issues in the fact that from here on out especially jade likes to tell everyone how stupid zombies are Uh, but this zombie handcuffed to a bit of piping was clever enough to rip his own hand off so that he could get to her and was like well that's you say zero intelligence but he at least figured out that he could probably get to her if he pulled his own hand out of his arm 
so you know whatever but it was it was dumb fun i enjoyed that um yeah other than that my really my only negatives were and it's not even really a negative but the fact that jade has very clearly been made to be indestructible already she's done these two massive falls and survived and obviously that's kind of alluding to you know her special blood and stuff i guess but it was a little bit like okay we're getting a little bit alice direction over here um and wesker i just wanted more i just needed i needed to know more about who he was why he was there why do you care about pharmaceuticals all of a sudden why is he alive you know they really like to leave you hanging on that one when you know that he's meant to be dead uh so that frustrated me but not necessarily in a bad way i guess uh james highlights lowlights episode two um uh both of you spoke about the mirror scene it's literally a reference to remake three. Oh yeah that happens uh yeah, yeah. That, that happens in one of the later scenes doesn't it where she actually gets to see herself all right i thought that's what we're talking about but no i, don't, I think that comes later that's yeah, like episode yeah. four. Oh, okay yeah good. but yeah, yeah that I was a yeah I love that reference anyway but yeah we'll get to that in a second but yeah I um so out of all the episodes other than another episode in part two um this is probably my weakest episode mm. um other than the ending and it was purely because of the Melinda scene it was the like Melinda is the lady with the cats like Melinda she she was a bad actor like she was like it was painful to watch her try to act on the screen um <laughs> she was trying to and later on she tries to hide from baxter something as well and i'm like are you kidding me she's doing the looks to the side thing i just it, it, it oh it really threw me out i loved jade in that scene but you know like you guys have said the pacing it didn't need to be there she could have got the pocketbook from any literally anywhere the barry thing felt like bait the the zom the zombie in the in the in the bathroom looked great and i thought that was a really good uh kind of callback to uh, like whenever there's a bathroom or a toilet room in an re game it's always gonna go bad like there's always <laughs> something that's gonna go bad and yeah it almost went bad um in the in the series so i i like that kind of callback there um to it but that's what i'm gonna say on that i didn't like it bad pacing bad acting um but jade's saying the cat thing super effed up really funny I really, really made me laugh. Cats carry disease. What, Melinda? What are you talking about? <laughs> like, what does it mean? Uh, yeah. Like, I didn't understand that at all. Um, I, so now I just, I just choose to believe that scene wasn't in this episode because, because <laughs> other, otherwise, this episode was all right. Like, we got to hear a lot. Um, you know, I'm not going to talk about the beginning because that's also super negative. Where, like, there was some pointless tension for tension's sake where he runs into like a pointed gate for some reason like even though he just saved her useless mm. stood pointless but evelyn marcus was we we see her and she's amazing and she says one line that got me that made my ears go up she says to albert just like the old days <laughs> right and in the first episode she says something similar as well um so is evelyn a clone of james or does she have his mem- or their memories or is like she l- trying to lay claim to what her father did? This is theory, by the way. It's not in later episodes. It's just that, yeah, I'm just... Because she kind of alludes twice and then a little bit later on as well about what her and Albert used to do. So, and we know she's not like of sound mind, so... <laughs> He's actually made of leeches. 
<laughs> it's not too far-fetched considering this franchise. Right. Um, and there's also... Um, there's also, I like, uh, and I'm going to talk about this in part two, because there's one particular thing I think Luigi, who isn't in here right now, but Luigi uh, really liked, because I said it to them, um, but uh, I really like the subtle nods that B, um, Jade's kid, is also a superhuman being mm-hmm. um, in this in this episode, like Billy and Jade, with her, like, reading through Wrinkle in Time, all the Shakespeare, ballet, later on piano lessons, like, she's... Yeah. She's a genius, um, and then we learn later to the end that she's a little bit more. But, uh, yeah. Um, right, yeah, and then there's the... Uh, I really like the shot with the pub Perseverance Tavern, um, with the Dover Cliffs. Really thematic. I love that. In fact, I want to use that in our D&D one-shot at one point, <laughs> like, just as a title, because it looks amazing. Mm. Uh, yeah, Um and, uh, it was a nice what, surprise what, as well. It was a, yeah. I didn't expect the show to go that way, so it was really cool. It's funny because we were talking recently about, like, I didn't expect them to spend much time in England, but they spent quite a bit in England. Mm. And we were talking recently about RE being in England and what it would be like. And, yeah, it was kind of interesting. Um, another thing I picked up is that the if you read the Tijuana incident report, um, that was also started by rats. Um, oh, nice. they, they, they mentioned the Latin name for it, which I, I think it's Ratarchus N something. Um, uh, so yeah, it's basically a repeat. Oh yeah. I put it here actually. Ratus Norvetic, Norvegicus or the brown rat, the common brown rat. Um, yeah, I just oh, thought that was kind cool. of an interesting little, uh, snippet. Um, yeah. And I, I both loved and hated the ending at the same time because was, I hate is a strong word, but I disliked there was a bit where, um, <laughs> The umbrella they they chase everybody into the channel basically, and the poli- the umbrella says halt, do not resist, and then proceed to shoot everyone, which I also thought was a RoboCop reference. <laughs> so I think they like RoboCop. Um, but yeah, then the the ending with uh, the ending of this episode with the rats, with the with the rat th- the music also for this scene was awesome. Um, which I can't remember the title of it right now, but uh, where we see kind of a foreshadow that the rats could be the spread because we keep hearing about it. Um, yeah, at the end of this episode was re- really good tension building. They did it well at, at the end of this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Steve, positives and negatives, episode two. I thought it started really strong. I mean, we seem to be glazing over the fact that the start of this episode is when Lance enters the picture in the lab uh, to see what's going on with Billy. Oh, Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and obviously he walks in, immediately covers himself in blood and tells him to get out. They're confused, and he's been all like, yeah, jump the fence, bugger off. What? Dad? <laughs> no, go. And very un-dad-like, and more Wesker-like in that particular moment, obviously. Yeah, for sure. Very American psycho, lathering himself up. Strangely, half the blood is smeared himself, disappears by the time Evelyn turns up, but I'll let that slide. <laughs> the stuff in the past... Sorry, the past. The future, Steve, the future. It looks like the past because it's all run down. Yeah, it's boring. I, the, the English stuff, the, the stuff set in England at this point is still not grabbing me. Like, Melinda is just a, a, a cat lady who, uh, like James has said, isn't the most compellingly acted. They feel like they fell in from, like, EastEnders or something. And surrounded by zombies. Jade actually, I think, is a standout in that scene as a character for saying, you know, they're going to get out and he kills you. That is what's going to happen. And then she's still surprised when Jade has to kill him to save her life 
It's rubbish. Uh, Baxter exists. I don't like him. I don't think anyone does except for that one bit with Jamiroquai, but I didn't like that. Yeah. Overall, Evelyn's introduction to the scene and the fact that it kind of... it gives She gives off an energy that she knows exactly what has happened, but she doesn't want to say it outright. At least that's the way it seems to come across to me, especially in episode two. Mm-hmm. And uh, then my the other notes basically say some lines of itchy, tasty stuff looks like it's getting really good. So I'm guessing at that point, this is when uh, her first inclinations of hallucinations start, which I generally did enjoy. Yeah. Mm. I'm not the most sophisticated at actually commentating on shows, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you've noticed. <laughs> uh, th- there's not really much action in this one besides the the future zombie stuff and, yeah, dressing mm. up dressing up like them from Stranger Things. Uh, with the There's, there's a lot of character now. introduction in this one. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's so alright, because episode three is a bit more of a pick-up on that, I think. Yeah. But overall, the, the introduction to Evelyn is fine. Like, you know, she's not quite got that um, Paul Verhoeven Robocop edge for me just yet. That comes in the next episode of the board meeting. And now, reading the file, anonymous note from Resident Evil Revelations, V. Cole, who you can follow on Instagram at junks.trumpet. I was forced on this mission, and I had no desire to come here for a job that could get me killed. At any rate, stage one is complete. I got the key for the freight lift, now I can access the bilge. The ship was used as a base of operations for the terrorist attack on Terra Grigio one year ago. I found the UAV in the ship's foredeck that was used to disperse the virus. Finding the UAV was good, getting attacked out of nowhere by an ugly monster was bad. I knew this mission would suck from the moment I took it. My head feels like it's gonna split open. I lost an eye already. It's hard to see. I feel like crap. Arms are starting to feel weird too. My right arm split into two. Blood all over my body. Can see my bones. Need... Doctor Bad. So, speaking of episode 3, which apparently was at one point called The Channel, is now called The Light, which is interesting. Uh, let's move on to that one. James, what are your favourite and least favourite things about episode 3? Oh man, there are so many. This is one of my standout episodes. I love yep. this this episode. Um, I, one of... <laughs> one of my, one of my uh, notes here, and you're going to have to bleep me, but... Uh, Wesker says, keep an eye on your sin- sister. And I put, that was a f- lie. <laughs> <laughs> when has Jade ever looked, looked out to keep an eye, kept an eye on her sister, ever? Um, we get some, um, we get some Tr- Lisa Trevor hype with some reports and notes. Lots of information in there. In fact, I put it in the Discord at one point. I think I might have pinned it. But um, lots of information in there. Um, another highlight is Baxter just going, those are rubber bullets, right? <laughs> In the in the in the freaking car, it made me laugh so much. Um, I, As if he cares. <laughs> I like. I think it's, I like Baxter because he's a, he's he's a cheesy, stupid, like evil guy, and like Ari is full of stupid, cheesy, evil guys, and he fits right in for me, he's which is like, why I love uh, him. He's this show's version of like Ricardo Irving. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> he's like a mixture between Ricardo Irving and Irons in a way. A little bit, um, yeah. Yeah, for without me, the, without the really messed up stuff. Yeah, because he's done some 
he Baxter says he's done some like wild stuff too. Mm. Um, yeah. Uh, what's that? The, uh, yeah. So the I like the touch with the family um, because the past two episodes we've had Jade be quite aggressive and run away from things. And in this episode, we see Jade find this family who she can help. And we kind of... This is what I mean about the show kind of trying to draw you in to like these characters and kind of get behind them. Um, But in the end, as we hear at the end of this episode, she leaves them. Um, Mm. But yeah, the family... like I thought it was a good dichotomy because it gives an example of what she could be or what she could become because she has a family herself. Mm. Um, you know, I just thought it was nice. It was a nice little bit of, like, it was it was uplifting because we just seen just Jade for the past three episodes be well, two episodes be a nutter. Um, yeah. Uh, oh yeah. And then there was the board meeting, which I'll let Steve go into, but I loved that uh, so much. The triple barrel shotgun in the channel as well. <laughs> the triple yeah. barrel made me yeah. laugh so much. Um, so the channel is my favorite part of this episode, but. Uh, I would have liked to be to be a bit brighter. I had to bump up my brightness a little bit. Mm. But at the same time, I got why they do it. You know, it's the same reason why I like Alien and Aliens. They use darkness so well to hide like all the the fiddly bits, so you can so you can be immersed. Um, yeah, but you know that I I loved everything about the channel. Um, Baxter's little <laughs> when he he's moving in in one of the Humvees, right? With he's on top of it, he's standing up, and he goes he. <laughs> For no reason, made me laugh my ass off. It's so funny. Um, yeah, and we've all, I've already mentioned like the spider being Shalob. Oh yeah, this was the yeah this was episode three with the reference to remake three with uh, with Jill. Is it okay? There you go. Yeah, and another thing in the channel was, uh, and it was actually Netro made me aware of this, and I went, oh yeah, all the levers in the channel look like they're from Revelations or or or, or a Resident Evil game. Mm. They, okay. They all look like they're from a Resident Evil game in, in some way. Yeah, um, the, kill, the kill gate is very um, regenerate a corridor in RE4. Not the mm. not the first one, but the one when you have to escort Ashley. It's used in a common GIF you'll see on the internet. Mm. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, the spider. I want to congratulate the series. They should get an award just for the spider. Um, you know, for having the guts to put it in the show and for making the spider itself. Um, unlike Capcom. <clears throat> Capcom, <laughs> put spiders in your games. Capcom, cowards. Um, but yeah, this thing looks truly monstrous and terrifying, and I definitely want to see more of it. I wanted to see more of this thing. Mm. Um, but yeah, they, uh, they, they, there was like another detail about the spiders. So I've kept spiders, and I've done a lot of research on spiders because of that. Um, I, I don't think this is like not common knowledge, but spiders are pretty awful eyesight, other than like jumping spiders. Um, they do one thing which reminded me of Alien 3, again, another reference, um, where you see the narrow vision of the spider as it's yeah. chasing after uh, Jade and the family. You see its narrow vision. It's got, like, blur on the side. It can only see, like, a very small letterbox, which I thought was a nice little little touch. And then at the end, we hear the revelation where that Simon's mum is Evelyn, which made me giggle because... Every time I see Jade's face, every time a revelation comes up and Jade's face, the expressions on her face from that actor is so funny every time. I love it. Um, and then to finish it off, we had the music choice of I'm Only Human After All after Jade left the family in the tunnel, which was really sad. 
I mm-hmm. I felt something as at any rate, like in, in my in, in my face, tears started coming out of my eyeballs. <laughs> but yeah, it was pretty heavy stuff for me. Uh, I I agree with you. Obviously, you guys have talked about how good the spiders were. Um, I didn't say my piece mostly because I don't feel like I got the impact from it that I perhaps should have and I I want to rewatch it and get that because I think it was a combination of you know the show was so dark and <laughs> this is very timing the episode but it's been so light and sunny this week in the UK now, I think <laughs> I need a you know a really dark room to sit in and watch it and get the full effect uh, but what I obviously could see was great I loved the fact that the spiders were in it as you just said the triple barreled shotgun fantastic reference to the Hydra from RE5 onwards that was a really that's one of those references is like that's nice that's a real fan sort of like nod you know, anyone could put and I know I called it out specifically but anyone could put a green herb on a t-shirt or a red herb on a desk as we've got in the show as well but the Hydra like that takes a little bit of extra thinking uh, which was really really nice and the other sort of referential thing I really liked about this episode, um, and it didn't really go anywhere, but and regardless of this being its own universe, I really loved that they mentioned in the boardroom that the biggest customer of Umbrella is the United States government. I was like, yes! Another <laughs> reference to the real villain of the Resident Evil universe. <laughs> so that was cool. Um, in terms of the things that I didn't particularly like, the, the transformation story actually dips a little bit for me here I was really invested in the last episode um, I don't know it just didn't grab me as much this time around maybe it's because I was hoping for it to go somewhere quicker obviously the remake 3 thing was cool very expected but not bad and it was done really well and uh, that, that poor dude was the worst distraction ever he's like I'm going to go out there and the spider's going to chase me and you guys going to get away he got killed before they left the room basically <laughs> So they didn't actually get a head start on the spider the way, whatsoever. The way he was going, the way he was going, I got it, I got it, I got it. <laughs> yeah, basically. And then they ran away, and it was like, oh, poor guy sacrificed himself, and you didn't even make a move. Uh, it's just like so, Jade, though, right? Just like well, Jade. This is right. She. That's what I say. My other note here is she's a punk. She keeps getting saved by other people. It keeps <laughs> happening. Uh, and again, same thing with the end of this episode as well. Uh, with the, the the USS and all that stuff as we've mentioned keep seeing the USS throughout this show who just look like the party patrol more than they do like <laughs> the actual Umbrella Secret Service like throw away an iconic design with the gas masks for the most generic robo trooper ever sure why not uh, but yeah this one it was fine the action was good it was good to see that action after the slower episode we had previous but uh, it didn't quite blow me away Steve, what did you think of episode three? Generally, uh, most of the scenes that I liked are Evelyn scenes, like mm. the, the boardroom meeting where she almost foreshadows her own future fate with the whole uh, doctor conditioning of the dog through the joy, and mm. uh, the way that she basically one-ups Wesker and like how many how many tablets is it gonna take? How many? Twenty thousand slams table. Like you know, this is yeah. some very evil evil stuff, and the way that she just picks up the heavily infected rat and just cuts its head off with scissors. Incredible ruthless stuff. Yes. <laughs> you know, not to mention the fact that liquors do something a bit more unique in this than they have done in all the other CGI appearances where they, they're just there, they're out and they're open, they scuttle about and slash. Instead, they like sneak, skulk around and yank people away. It's uh, more like smokers from Left for Dead. Mm. Fun, interesting. Spider, again, it's not actually used that much. It's only like two scenes that you really see it full body and uh, gets murdered by a gate 
not too dissimilar to how you kind of can smash a uh, similar horrible beast U3 or U8, whichever one it is in RE4? Uh, U3, I think. Yeah, you can do. She does a gate smash on it. Obviously, it kills it in this. Mm. You know, it's, uh, Luke and the Rancor all over again. Pretty good. I actually liked it. Magnum was apparently useless. The pipe was also useless, and uh, any of the side characters I didn't really give much of a heck about in the past. Sorry, future. You get that mixed up because it looks so desiccated. <laughs> <laughs> like there's the whole side story of the poor boy who's been beat. We all know how that goes. It's been in like zombie fiction since zombies began, and uh, the tropes wrote and boring. Uh, you know, I don't care how uh, sad the family were. Just like, oh, okay, when, when does he turn, or when does someone leave, or when does it become just bleak and hopeless? And do we get bleak and hopeless abandoned zombie child with mother just cradling him? Great. <laughs> mm. uh, yeah, uh, we, we've seen that a, bit, a few times, I think. Yeah, so generally speaking, my focus was mostly on the past, which is where itchy chastiness is starting to happen, hallucinations. She's uh, now attacked Jade as well, or is that... Yeah, no, that's this episode, where she punches Jade and pushes her over, isn't it? I believe episode so. Episode four, where they have the big hoo-ha about a party. Yes. Yeah, I'm, I see my notes are a bit messed up, can you tell? <laughs> but, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's no, episode four, yeah. <laughs> but generally, no real complaints. The highlight for me was Evelyn being psycho Resident Evil villain in the best possible way. Mm. Yeah, which I know a lot of people are still going to be like, oh, she's not really a super villain. Though. Like, she's more interesting than Morpheus and Vincent. And I know they did horrific things, but I've said this before earlier in the podcast, but she actually does come across as a corporate evil who is willing to do despicable yeah. things for the bottom line. And she knows it and she's happy with it. And she's also mm. Simon's mum. That's the benefit of having the number of hours that we get with this show. We get to go to these different places, obviously, with video games and characters like Vincent and Morpheus. They just have to be the bad guy of the game, which is always set after the outbreak has occurred and that kind of thing. The, this show has the advantage, James, as you said, of operational umbrella labs and stuff, and we get to see them be corporate and capitalist and having board meetings and stuff. So, you know, that really, really helps her, certainly. Mm, uh, juxtaposed Kel- against Baxter and the Nod Troopers, it's uh, it's night and day. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, Kels, what did you think of episode three? Um, I think mostly in line. I won't retread all the things that you guys have said. Um, the spider scene... Uh, just again, you know, is uh, was one of the one of the better parts of the show up to this point. The thing that the sh- I would have preferred the show did was a more X Files thing and did a monster of the week because we got lickers and spiders in this mm. show, which meant that neither of them had enough time dedicated to them. It was all too brief, and despite visually looking amazing, I would have liked to have seen forty minutes with a spike a spider stalking them, or two spiders, or things like that. And then the same goes for the lickers, a separate episode for them. So. Yeah, just so, so brief. And that's what happens. I mean, you know, it's not cheap to make these monsters, so they have to use them sparingly. And it's a shame, but, you know, fine. I I liked the scenes, that being said. So you also mentioned that some of the parts, probably in the earlier part of this episode, is they did drag. Like, Billy going back to school and stuff was where I... This was the first real time, the first section of this episode, where I started to yeah think this is getting a bit dull mm-hmm. and the, not again i wasn't maybe being overcritical but very slow um and then but nice contrast with the action of the future this one of the future episodes where 
I liked the stuff set in the future, whereas that wasn't really the case with probably the rest of the series. Um, uh, rest, wrestling reference, Luke Gallows, or aka not to Luke Gallows, makes a cameo as a smuggler. That's quite funny. That's a very niche reference. I thought exactly the same thing. <laughs> I genuinely said out loud, is that Luke Gallows? Yeah, I thought it was him. Um, board meeting scene, yep, great. Um, yeah, that's it. I'm, I'm, I think you guys have, have said everything. I'm kind of with James. I agree. I thought there was some nice emotion with the end, although it was tropey, like Steve said. Yeah, I always feel bad when kids are dying <laughs> but you know, <laughs> you know I don't know Steve it's, does care about kids dying just not professional zombie stuff alright yeah. <laughs> you know I felt I felt bad for the kid I thought the parents were assholes because you know they've tried to hide it and I just thought eh, what did you think was going to happen mm-hmm. um, but yeah so great monster stuff not enough of it and some dragging scenes elsewhere and I'll leave it there for episode 3 because I think we've we've covered it all it is interesting to note that uh, looking at IMDb currently, fun fact, uh, episode two and episode three are the high t- highest rating episodes of the series uh, at the moment. Uh, it starts to s- it slips a little bit for episode four, the turn. Um, so, which is interesting because you know, for all the positive of episode three, I have to agree with some of the opinions here that um, Kelsey, you said, you know, you're starting to get a little bit tired of it feel that it's a little bit dull there was something missing uh, it was filler yeah a little bit so because episode 4 my first note is oh intrigue about Wesker's history feels like a little bit too late you know it felt like I could have done with some more of this to keep it trucking along um, so obviously I was feeling a little bit of that and I think episode 4 has a lot of cool stuff going on for it that kept me invested I remember this being an episode I watched at the end of an evening and thought, oh, I'm actually really interested to see what happens next, so I'll give it that much. Um, I really do like that by this point, it's established that from episode one, Jane, Jade coming into New Raccoon City as kind of the mope that doesn't want to be there and Billy being like, give it a chance. Uh, by this point, Jade is meeting people and has got this sort of like pseudo-boyfriend thing going on. Uh, meanwhile, Billy is genuinely suffering, so I thought that was a fun little dichotomy sort of turn twist on what was going on with episode one uh albert wester got to have an outburst hit the failure of his antivirus that he was creating which is more than lance had got to do for a little while so that was cool to just watch him trash a few things um and the other positive was uh the grenade door trick which was fantastic <laughs> rolling a grenade by a door waiting for it to, or through a door, whatever she did, waiting for it to explode. It didn't go. And then when the door hit the grenade, it exploded. <laughs> I thought that was actually, that was pretty fun. Uh, it made up for the chainsaw man getting absolutely jobbed off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> One red nine ball. That's I wish it was that notes. simple. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, again, before other people had even pointed out how much they liked Baxter, I had here that I didn't care that he died. Uh, just because he had a needlessly cool fight scene and he's and he said the thing about the unlocking he's still a mass murdering psycho so why would i care jade continues to get saved by other people zombies continue to look stupid also this episode reused footage of zombies running through corridors at least once which i thought was a little bit cheap uh <laughs> and then the absolute <laughs> the way the episode ended so just to catch back up, the storyline we've got at the moment is Billy is infected. We know that the T-virus in this universe takes three hours from infection to, uh, to fully transform you. An exact three hours, uh, three days apparently. Uh, so at 
exactly the same time, I suppose, Wesker and Jade figured this out, put in on their own timers, go think back the hours to when it happened, put it on their, their own timers. But don't worry, Billy, you're okay. My arbitrary watch timing says so. Because that's how medicine works. I've decided that it was this many hours exactly since you got bit, and you didn't transform when it hit zero, you're fine. I thought that... <laughs> I get that we're going with, actually, she's not going to turn. It was like, well, you don't actually know that. Just because it's counted down to zero doesn't mean that she's okay. So but I it said it in the script, so... <laughs> it's so stupid. Kelsey, what did you think of episode four? So I'll be honest with you, out of all the episodes, this is the one I have the fewest notes about, so it's not going to take me Sorry, because I feel like um, I went on there, so... <laughs> no, no, it's fine. Uh, I, I, despite some of the good stuff which you did mention, this is the episode that nearly tore it for me um, because of a couple of things you mentioned there. The watch stuff wound me up. The skateboarding scene was awful. <laughs> I, I don't know... Uh, yeah, the, I, the, that again, that was filler. That's it just made no sense to me. Uh, they didn't look like skateboarders, act like skateboarders. It was just silly. The stupid look on her face as well. Um, I, I almost paused the episode and I thought, I'll pick this up later at that point. Really didn't like that. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what I was watching. And then the Baxter stuff, I was like, am I supposed to be rooting for this guy? Like, I was just, no, no. They were trying to drag me along to root for him. And it was not happening. So two big black marks for yeah. me. Um, I, I don't want to ever hear a bad word said about Crush from Welcome to Raccoon City again. Because obviously this is the Jamiroquai episode. And I I didn't hate it. But I just thought... I've seen a few people saying it was really good. And it's like, well, yeah. It's just as ridiculous as far as I'm concerned. Um, and I preferred the Crush one. So I don't want to hear people complain about Crush <laughs> if they like this. Um, Salvador being off to one shot. Boo. Really, really annoying. The meat grinder location was very generic and not as... Um, uh, well, just not as kind of atmospheric as I thought they think it was. Um, yeah, so just very sort of boring uh, across the board. But then... Loved Wesker getting mad, as you said. Um, his character was getting better every episode. And yeah, that's kind of it. Like, this this was an episode where... I think I shared in the Discord at the end of it. I was like, I'm struggling at this point by the end of it. Um, it did pick up for episode five, which we'll get to for the second part of the podcast. But yeah, no, not a great deal of notes. Um, at this point, I'd had to drag through for some stuff. I'm not saying it's a terrible episode, but for me personally, again, this was where... I have to dedicate my time to watching this stuff and I was like, I was starting to get frustrated that I'm using my time to watch this show. Uh, grenades exploding is all well and good and fun but when there's 45 minutes of rubbish around it, it's like, uh, yeah. Bit of a struggle for me. Uh, again, I'm not trying to be vitriolic. I didn't hate it. There's more good stuff to come. But yeah, just some not... I can't excuse the skateboard scene and them trying to have backs to do a, a face turn. It was just nonsense, as far as I'm concerned. Mm -hmm. uh, Steve, positives and negatives of episode four, if you could. Oh, now that's a challenge. Um, right, so we've got <laughs> French cannibals in a German prison with the Spanish Chainsaw Man, which is uh, surprising. He uh, is French, by the way. The subtitles say he speaks French. Oh, okay, fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> Just wanted to confirm that. Do you okay. mean uh, French Heisenberg, right? Um, exactly. <laughs> The, the whole prison feels like they just took screenshots from Revelations 2's like chapter 1 and turned the line <laughs> down. Uh, it's just generic anywhere misery prison and it's got like the big plot MacGuffin in Mother Zero in it. 
Yeah, that is just okay. I understand the plot relevance due to what happens later on, but otherwise, this episode is just filler cack. And I can see that one scene where Baxter goes Rambo on everybody. I'm surprised no one's mashed it up with Mercenaries music or Doom music yet, because as much as I don't dislike Jamiroquai, it definitely doesn't fit here. You know, it definitely doesn't feel like it should. And yeah, the, <laughs> again, the, the past stuff. Uh, see, I got it right this time. The past stuff is in the actual past in 2022. It's a bit meek. It's a bit met. We get the whole, uh, is it Angel Rubio, the, the journalist who's coming messing things up, uh, allegedly. He, he arrives in town and is immediately picked up by the Umbrella Security Service within minutes, despite the fact they take 30 minutes to respond to a lab in the previous episodes, but we'll ignore that. And then there's some bits of Dawson Creek somehow got into the edit with the whole skateboard scene that I just don't give two flying swear words about. <laughs> it's just rubbish. Meanwhile, Lance Reddick is actually doing his damnedest to carry this whole thing on his back. And th- those scenes, to be fair, are fairly solid, where he's trying to, like, the panicked father running around the house and smashing... Seriously, I think any scene he's in, I just really go from, like, some kind of trance to, oh, good stuff happens. And that good <laughs> stuff could be just off dad yeah. <laughs> right? yeah. we've got we've, we've got ultra violent like shirted corporate dude but I'm more I'm more invested in dad looking for child <laughs> so it's, it's, it says a lot for this episode really like and it does feel like every episode now has got a rhythm where Jade will get herself into some horrible catastrophe right at the end and then we will see exactly how that resolves in the next episode. It's like getting a bit Dragon Ball on future size, what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. tune in next time to see how Goku gets out of it this time, you know? Bit yeah. too repeated tropes. Yeah, I agree. I wasn't keen on those cliffhangers, especially on in general on that side of the timelines. Uh, what, want, what made me want to watch the next episode was more of the fact that at this point, uh, they were, you know implication that we were going to get some stuff about Albert Wesker's you know backstory mm. and for all of my brain being like stop picking holes in you know Evelyn Marcus couldn't possibly be a thing uh, <laughs> when they said you know your dad died in 2009 I was like that's accurate <laughs> what <laughs> An actual canonical accurate detail. Mm. <laughs> so that was what made me go, okay, uh, I'm in for episode five, which is a little bit cheap <laughs> on my part, where it's like, you know, I care because I'm a Resident Evil fan and I want the Resident Evil things. Uh, whereas I'm, I don't care about the future storyline and how the cliffhanger goes there because now there's a zombie that screams and it makes the other zombies listen. It feels like, very oh. left for dead, right? Like, they're, they're, uh, not to say that again with the liquors, but it does feel like they're, they're, they're peeling from all the bits of zombie fiction. I, I suppose... think there is like a screaming zombie in RE6. Uh, yes, there is. Yeah, it's not like is. a mastermind. I Also, I mean, I guess, you know, control plaga, mm. maybe, but I don't think it goes that deep. Uh, but you know, it's it's for their own thing at the end of the day, and sort yeah, of in the context, I mean, it's, it's in the context of everything, it's fine. Uh, James, positives and negatives of episode four. Very disappointed in all of you. <laughs> <laughs> Baxter is an evil, tropey character. It's he's been in every single Resident Evil. There's always a character like him, right? Also, like you know. 
I can't, you know, he's not, that's the point with him. He's not meant to be, you're not meant to like him. Like, but damn, do I like him because he's a big man kicking ass. <laughs> you never see that. I'll give you that. I'll give you yeah. that. You never uh-huh. see that in movies or anything. You, you don't see a, a larger gentleman kick butt, and we can, right? Mm. It's, and, and they showed it. We saw a Red Nine, the best game in all Resident Evil, right? I, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, he, I found him funny. Every, every word he said was funny because, you know, it's like, it, I found him funny for the same reasons I, as I found Al, Alfred Ashford fr- uh, funny. That might be it, James. I think you've hit the nail on the head because he's trying to be funny and I'm not laughing at his jokes. He kind of irritates me. Right. But, yeah, I, I understand that. But, it's, you know, I get, I get, like, you're not being able to like him, but it's like... Well, that's a personal taste thing. I can see why other people would. Don't get me wrong. Oh, he's just... He's he's so funny to me. Like, because he, he just reminds me of a lot of characters in Resident Evil. Um, the other thing is, like, I've heard I've heard the, the F word being said a couple of times. Filler... They found the zombie queen in this episode. Like, this whole thing led to them finding the zombie queen, which was a huge, like, point for the story. Um, like, so I, d- I don't see how, like, this could be a filler episode. Like, it gave us a little bit of action, you know? Um, like, I don't I don't like that someone is always coming in to save the heroes. But this is also Resident Evil. This happens all the time. Who's going to give you that rocket launcher at the end of the game? Yeah. Right? This always happens with every boss. There's always something happening that someone else assists you. It's a, 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 it is about cooperation. I would like to see Jade do something off her own back. And we do see her kick butt. In fact, at the end of this, right, there was a tension scene done right. And of course, we know she survives, but I was so interested and so invested in how she got out of that room. Like when she phones up her kid, man, another kid scene. I don't like children, but it got me. Mm-hmm. Right, I was, I was, I was sitting there, and I was like, "Oh man, like she's literally talking to a kid before she thinks she's gonna die." You know, that's awful and really done, really well done tension because we didn't get any kind of tension breaking there. It was really done well. Um, yeah, and again with the the grenade and the 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 explosion, um, I feel like Baxter died too fast because I wanted he is evil, he is right, and you're not meant to like him, right, but. He should have been given a better death. Not honourable, but he should have been given a better death. Because, and I, and I wanted it to be someone that, who, someone that he'd personally, like, done over. Like, he did kind of, like, did, do over Jade. Like, I just wanted him, I just wanted, he needed a bit more progression in his backstory like, because his his um, his death just felt very forced at the yeah, end um, when it didn't need to be. And the other thing, he has two dogs. I can't hate somebody who has two dogs. <laughs> right. I, I but, love dogs. So here's the thing, is that I think that he's... There's potential there for something so much more. They could have tweaked... I agree with you in the sense that if the character is written now, they could have longed it out for longer and he could have got a much more effective death actually being killed at the hands of someone, you know, for some catharsis. Alternatively, if they want us to like the character, then maybe don't have him command uh, the party patrol to take down an entire settlement of people. Like Without that scene, then he could have even had a redemption thing. I would have liked to see more of him for the reason that you say, sort of like the inclusivity reasons. Like, the actual fight scene itself was cool. 
I wasn't necessarily bothered by him getting a cool fight scene because he, that's he's a bad, you know <laughs> it's like that, what, that's, that's, the good character hasn't had a cool fight scene yet so why should the bad character the, the quote unquote good guy character right that's that's what I mean is that like we've seen him be bad but then we got very a very limited look at how good he could be like mm. to a to an extent mm-hmm. right I mean he does and, honor his word and let Jade go or try to yeah, yeah. He, well he t- tells her to keep going. Mm. right so that's kind of redemption in a way but i would have loved more of him because you don't see that kind of character fighting kicking butt often in tv and even though he was evil and you know he was campy and great like he was super (laughs) cheesy and i love that um then we have you know you know there was the, the the best part of that episode was a zombie queen right (laughs) <laughs> was it though yeah. i just think as a concept this is like this it's is really the thing. like really cool yeah as you, as you say a really cool concept well no james i was saying i didn't like it this is oh. the thing because i felt they had to find you know this idea of the, the zombies mutating and stuff and this is where we are getting down to the the real nitty-gritty and potentially cinema sins territory which i, I don't think we are because it's our job to try and be objective and, and get all the detail out and it's what we do on these podcasts when i saw that was happening I just groaned and rolled my eyes because with I think zombies are so established as zombies any time in any zombie media they try to bridge that gap from what a zombie is to this zombie can use a gun this zombie can talk this zombie can do that I don't think it ever works I don't think it worked so, here so you don't either. like remake so I don't like remake what remake Resident what the zombies remake. run no, I don't. I said on the remake podcast, I hate that the Crimson. <laughs> you don't like the Crimson Heads. Okay. <laughs> no, I, I was very specific about that. I don't like the Crimson Heads. Um, but but yeah, but, sorry. Long way to a short point. Just uh, it 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 just reeks of that try hard to no no this could happen and you know we've mentioned the virus mutating. I think zombies are zombies and they should be zombies. For me personally, uh, I would much rather spend time in character development than monster development and. It's just a plot device that I guess you're either going to love or hate. And for me, it was like <sighs> this screeching old lady zombie. Mother Zero, she's called in the subtitles. And uh, yeah, it just doesn't land for me because I would have rather they spent more time yeah, on character development than monster development, as I've said. And uh, I don't want to sound like I'm, I'm ranting against it because I've mentioned some other good stuff that I really like. But, you know, in terms of... Uh, you, you've talked about how this episode builds lots of tension and isn't f- and isn't filler. And th- the only reason I disagree is because of the thing we said right near the start with how we're watching two TV shows in one episode. And I might have been invested more if it was just all in one timeline. I think I might have done. Um, but because, you know, minutes before and after I'm watching these ridiculous scenes with Billy Wesker... I think everything else falls apart. And I know you've watched this show a lot of times. I've watched it once through. And I don't know if you should have to watch a show four times to kind of find all these little details and nuances. I'm not sure... Well, I enjoyed it. I'm not sure that that makes... I'm not sure that that gives it the kind of quality that we're sort of trying to say it has in some way, I think. Right. Well, your first point, you talk about, like, the, the zombies and the virus. The virus mutates. It always does. We know that. I mean, heck, pandemic, right? They've also been foreshadowing it the entire series that this was going to be a thing. So 
I think, in terms of a writing perspective, but that doesn't mean it's it, it's that doesn't mean it's enjoyable to watch. I don't think that's like I said because of zombies and how established zombies are. Because I just think it looks silly when zombies start acting intelligent. They look at them. It just for me that's where it doesn't land. And I know it's the story they're doing, but it's just that's more of a taste I, thing I, for I you. Is it, Would you say that's more of a, the what? Sorry, your personal taste for zombies is that they should be always slow shuffling. Yeah, that's what I mean. And I said it at the very beginning. Like I don't like the running zombies. I don't like this and. I can't think of another piece of media where they do it. In Land of the Dead, the zombies start to use guns and it's the stupidest thing I've ever seen. <laughs> and yeah, they talked that the reason that, you know, it was something to do with pheromones and stuff like that. And that's why the zombies are being controlled. And yeah, it's just very right words and make it make sense for me. And this show has some good stuff going through it. And that plot device just didn't work for me. And I'm not trying to kind of crap over people that do like it, but I think we're treading into territory here where... Yeah, it's like no, no. This this is good because they said they 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 foreshadowed it. It's like it doesn't matter if if they foreshadow something that's bad. That doesn't mean it's good just because they foreshadowed. But it. it's not see, bad. <laughs> see, my gripes are completely it's different. It's not bad. Like uh, I wish she did. Something I think cool. zombies being clever is bad for me. Clever, yeah, but I didn't get clever from that queen. All she was doing was sending her pheromones. It gave me ant vibes, not like insect vibes. It didn't give me. This this lady is twelve intelligence, you know. <laughs> it gave me that she was like a, a, a she was a, a a peak figure in a hive. She was a queen. Like I mean, mm. they called her a queen in French, you know. So yeah, I I kind of wish I because I, I agree with you. Like if zombies become intelligent, then all they are is smart these less smart humans, and that's kind of not fun, sure. right? But if you start to employ like other things, like other. Uh, animals, other things that they can do around the world. That is really interesting to me. I mean, being an alien fan, you know, like it kind of, you know, that, that really speaks to me. So uh, that's the reason why I liked it. Hmm. But the alien queen does like lay eggs and do all these like cool, awesome things. Whereas this is just a lady who screams. But she's the first <laughs> of her, she's the first of her kind that we found that we've discovered. I, yeah, like, I appreciate it. I kind of wish there was more of a search for it rather than she ends up in the same prison. Like, I know she's looking for an answer. I wish she kind of had some person. Maybe it's in France. I need to get to France ASAP. Yeah, that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. Like, I think if this, if it was all set in the future, I would have got there in a sort of nicer way and been less critical of it. But it's very difficult to care. And, it's, it's, the, re- and the reason is because it's so convenient. Because you're spending so little time in these uh, timelines that, yeah, it's just like, oh, is that the explanation, is it? Whereas I, if there's more, all this stuff you're talking about, James, about, oh, it's like ants and stuff. Yeah, but the show doesn't talk about that. And if they'd maybe done some groundwork there for that sort of thing, but then they, I can buy into it a bit more. But they did. They did at the beginning. They did. They, they kind of go through this stuff with you. They like She talks about, I mean, she says... I mean, she well, she say, said the virus mutates, but she doesn't say she doesn't say that they're going to be. She also going says to do that, what? She also says that they they can sense the blood. Mm, like by she's smell. looking for signs of intelligence when she's trying to do the rabbit test at the beginning. Yeah. Right? Like, well, like I so, she's, she's looking. I think the thing she's. I think it's like something to do with leadership. She says something about leadership. She does. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like you know, yeah. I, I'm looking at it in a different way. So I. So it like it kind of works for me, but you know, it's it's different shakes, isn't it? I think under a microscope it might work. I'm not sure how it's presented works. 
as the TV show. That's all I'm trying to say. Like, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just we, we, we can be very generous to media. And one of the big criticisms of Welcome to Raccoon City, I keep f-ing talking about it. Oh, sorry. Um, was oh, it it's good. It expects you to know information from Resident Evil, and and yeah, and I don't have a huge problem with that. But then that this show doesn't spend enough time doing any of it for me and you know we, I've kind of got away from my you know original point I don't want us to rant about the same specific thing but yeah I just think maybe under the microscope and if you look at it and look at it you could pull some stuff out of it but generally that might explain why this show is being you know badly reviewed because it's not working it's not grabbing people in the best sort of way and it was an eye roll moment for me and I love Resident Evil I love the nonsense that comes with Resident Evil and it just yeah, and I, I do blame the structure of the show, the bouncing backwards and forwards, because um, I think I wouldn't possibly be that angry at it if, yeah, if I just had more time. Mm-hmm. Um, also, Salvador was a human. Yeah, I guess so, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I kind of I like, because if they kept him as a zombie, you yeah, know, people would have said, oh, he's, you know... Why that doesn't make any sense because Salvador was a Las Plagas you I, know, victim. Yeah, I'm glad they didn't try and over-explain. I know it's funny because a lot of the time with some stuff in Resident Evil can be like, I really wish they'd give a backstory to El Gigante or something. But in this <laughs> instance, considering the fast pace of the show and stuff, I'm glad they didn't try and explain what was going on there. And for all we know, it's just a psychopath with a chainsaw and a bag on his head. It's <laughs> He's just a maniac. Yeah. <laughs> it's the post-apocalypse and it's a weird cult in a prison with, you know, Daniel Fabron. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I actually, at, the, at the beginning of my notes I put this is budget Paul Atreides <laughs> so yeah you know it worked in that context um, okay let's sort of uh, wrap up I guess because we are starting to uh, get to the point of overrun um, oh god I, t- I totally forgot about the fact that he has a whole monologue and it might as well just what the f*** is this f***ing bullshit don't worry it's written down right uh kelsey would you like to wrap us up at this point we're going to close up talking about the show here we'll return to it in the next episode uh but i suppose my sort of like last question to ask everyone before we finish is uh how are you feeling at this point in the show when you were watching it were you looking forward to watching more or, or were you very concerned about the future for the show Sure. Uh, yeah, I'll keep it nice and brief. Just very... I was looking forward to seeing more of the Wesker storyline. I was. Uh, and Evelyn. Really like those characters. I just... As I've alluded to at the end of episode four, there was... A, and because of the dragging scenes in episode three, the show was asking a lot of me. But, you know, I was, I'm was committed. And I'm a fan. I'm going to watch it towards the end. So it's not like trash or anything mm. like that. And I thought... But I posted in Discord at the episode four, end of episode four... Yeah, I'm 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 struggling a bit, but yeah, there's there's still loads more to be said about this show. Um, just a mixed bag. The first four episodes, some really great stuff, some just not so great for me. Yes, uh, Steve, how are you feeling about the show at this point? Uh, n- nothing to complain about, believe it or not. My initial viewing was fine. Like you know, there was just I had to take breaks, obviously, because you know. Spoilers for the listeners, I'm still a bit COVID-y. I'm not getting over it, so that might be why I'm a bit airheaded sounding, more so than usual. <laughs> yeah, so I, honestly, it, it wasn't great, but I've seen worse. Is that fair? Like, that, I, at <laughs> right. this point, and very much through the whole thing, I am more invested in the past storyline. That Spoilers for part two, that doesn't really change much. 
But the, the first half wasn't really offending me when Baxter wasn't on screen. It was just a bit meh. And now the prospect of something without him, I suppose, more uplifting for past me. I would have been I would have been jumping for joy when that man died. So <laughs> I think generally I'm in agreement with you guys. I was more invested in the 2022 stuff over the 2036. Uh, you know, due to airs of it being a little bit generic uh, for me, but. And there was, a, you know, obviously there's the conspiracy stuff and you're wondering about the Wesker twins and all that with the with the present day stuff. So it had some intrigue, which is what I wanted uh, rather than the future stuff, which is a little bit just kind of like moving from set piece to set piece with a little bit of convenience thrown in. And some of that comes with the fact that, you know, this is only an eight episode season and they want to tell as much as they can in those eight episodes. So sometimes things have to be convenient. Um, I do think that perhaps... Uh, I was I'm certainly I was thinking this at the time that this probably could have done with a few more drafts have a couple more people look at it cuz uh there were some there were some dips here and there where it was kind of like it's not really any answers going on you've set up a lot of questions we're not getting any actual movement on a lot of the main stuff in the show which for me is why is Wesker here what are umbrella up to that kind of stuff so I could have done with more of that sooner. Just a bit more teasing, a little bit of inf- information every now and then. Because whilst I had my issues where I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. When you end on a cliffhanger like episode four does with your conspiracy theorist guy turning up out of nowhere uh, with the all, promising all this information, that's what kind of drew me back in and being like, okay, I am interested in the next episode at the very least. So yeah, certainly a mixed bag. I certainly wasn't tuning out. Uh yeah it's it's unfortunately i I guess to it's kind of what i expected (laughs) to a certain extent james how are you feeling about the show only four episodes in um so four episodes in yeah i i i I, there were a lot of things i didn't expect um there was a lot of like things that i was just it was typical kind of action movie stuff where i was like well i know you're gonna live but i'm really interested in how you're gonna live (laughs) how are you gonna get through this how is this gonna like conclude uh there's a lot of that in the first four episodes um the next four episodes there's a lot it goes a lot deeper than that um but yeah i think it adds i think it adds a lot to uh i guess re mythos outside of the games um it's interesting how they framed it i think it's good i think it's actually got longevity um just purely of who it's being directed at um i just it's just really unfortunate that i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna say it again because i said it in a tweet a week and a half ago but guys this this show had over 500 reviews negatively like negatively put on it in the first two hours of it going live you know and it had a 27 percent audience score on rot tomatoes right tomatoes like you don't don't do that don't review bomb something before bloody watching it like it's and if you watch it and then you think it's it's not very good then i will listen to you but if you do that or you you try and attack me or my friends or anyone else like who we've got a couple in chat right now who have also been attacked because we liked it we like some bits about it like yeah no we won't we won't respect your opinion Mm -hmm. absolutely completely true uh 100 agree with all of that and as you know the live chat is saying it is worth mentioning that the general consensus 
and I think we're probably all in this boat, is that the second half of the season, whatever we think of the first half, the second half is more positive. There's definitely a lot to talk about in the second part of this podcast. Uh, so we'll be getting to that as soon as possible so we can talk about the rest of the show, the good and the bad. Uh, but hopefully a little bit more good than the other. Well, nothing else remains to me but to thank our contributors, our patrons, and our listeners. Join the First Aid Spray Discord server to become part of our community and hear the show early and unedited. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, Twitch, Instagram, YouTube, and more. All of these links and all of our content can be found at fasprepod.com. You can listen to the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, and all good podcasting apps. And if you like what you hear, please do leave us a review where you can and spread the good word. Don't forget that you can support the show by picking up some merch or at patreon.com forward slash Pod for as little as $1 a month. On our next episode, we conclude our journey through New Raccoon City and the post-apocalypse in the second and conclusive half of our take on Resident Evil for Netflix. Thank you to the panel. You can follow all of the Pueblo people individually. I'm at Sinaiac underscore one, two, three. Steve is at FP. Steve was taken. James is at Moist Owlet OFF and Kelsey is at K underscore D underscore B underscore. And finally, thank you for listening and have a good week. So I watched Welcome, for those of you who don't know, I watched Welcome to Raccoon City last night for the first time in seven months. Uh, and I was looking at that show and obviously they did a, a kind of thing there where Jill obviously looked completely different and stuff like that and Leon as well. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, this has to be a thing in every Resident Evil adaptation. It should be a thing in every Resident Evil adaptation because Resident Evil is so bloody white. Like every main character is white. So you should expect this thing because nobody wants to make a movie with that doesn't reflect the real world, for mm-hmm. sake. It's made by Japanese developers and what they think America looks like <laughs> in the 90s. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>